It's been a month. I don't, has has it been that long? Things have changed, Christine. Things have, have changed. Oh God, I didn't know. In this past month, it turned a different month. <laughs> it did. That's, that's, that's has it really? I don't believe you that it's really been, it's been about a month. month. Well, we both had things. I had Horror Hound last weekend. Hi, everybody from Horror Hound, which was great. Uh, you had Sissix Sissix. South by Southwest. Or Sissix Sissix, as I like to call it. <laughs> you can call it that. Uh, I'm, I'm a big phonetic fan. Um, so now, today's show, it's a feminine critique. I'm Emily. I'm Christine, and I'm eating a jelly bean. Ooh, nice. I just had myself some leftover pizza and a chocolate-covered pomegranate. Hmm, good for you. Yeah, Wait, the whole... One. I was going to say, the whole pomegranate was covered in chocolate? <laughs> yeah, it's about the size of a baseball. It's, you know, my, my Difficult alternative to, eat. to a, a chocolate bunny. I prefer those. No, they're really good. They're dark chocolate-covered pomegranates. And mm. they're delish. If you that will. sounds delicious. Yeah, and Brandon doesn't like them, so I get to eat all of them. Ugh, that's, that's the way to do it. Get something you know no one else mm. likes. Well, it, it isn't, it isn't. Because then on the other side, uh, occasionally, like, this is a real thorn in my side, it would seem. Because I, I never realize how much it comes up until Brandon points it out to me. But apparently I talk about it in public all the time. Is how, like, he doesn't like coconut or tiramisu. Mm-hmm. So the problem is, like, you ever go to a restaurant and at the end of the, re- the meal they give you the dessert menu? And you're like, ooh, okay. Usually, I don't know about you. You would split something. Usually you split something. Because typically yeah. a dessert's very big. You don't really want the whole thing at that point. Mm-hmm. So, you know. And I love tiramisu. And nobody who I go to dinner with, boyfriend included, likes tiramisu. So I never get to split that with anyone. Well, I like it. I just can't eat it or I'd get really sick. So, so I can't. Do- Oh, Sorry. No, that doesn't help me at all. That's even worse, it doesn't. Because then it would make me feel bad if I was like, fine, I'll just order one for myself. Because um, then I'm feeling bad about eating a thousand calories in a, on a little plate and be about doing it flaunting it in front of you so that's because you're a good person yeah, well i try um so now i i mean i've saw a bunch of movies in the like month or year since we've talked you mm-hmm. saw a bunch of movies and probably then some with your uh press release report <laughs> access thing thingy yeah thingy now do you want to go first with your big report or do you or do you want to go through our usual rigmarole of things we've seen and then you end on your big thing um yeah why don't you do yours okay. or i i can do my non-south by ones okay. and then you can do okay. yours and then and then i'll do my south by ones I like this this sharing thing we got going. Okay. Because I don't have very many outside of South By, as you can okay. imagine. Because it took up, like, you know, and then I was a little burnt out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, before, before we continue, let us do what I often forget to do, which is announce what we'll be covering on today's show. Yes. Um, Christine picked... Actually, who picked first? You picked first. You picked um, this, the movie from... The mo- what, I don't... I usually know... Uh, 2007, I, I think. I was trying to remember the year, and I couldn't... Uh, I think it's 2007. Francois Ozon's Angel. Yes. Uh, and to pair that up, I picked 1990-somethings. Seven, I think. Yes, Ian Softley's The Wings of Zee Dove. And let me say, Emily nailed it again. Well, I don't oh know how. How do we keep, like, this, perfectly paired this movies? It's crazy, because I knew almost nothing about The Wings of the Dove. I just, it was on Instant Watch, and I wanted to watch a Helena Bottom Carter movie. And there are, there is so much that connects, the, aside from Charlotte Rampling appearing in both of them, mm-hmm. there are so many other themes and characters and decisions that tie these films together. It's amazing. It's pat, really quite, yeah, yeah. Let us pat ourselves on the back before we even do the show. We can stop the show right now and be like, dude, we made an awesome pairing. Exactly. Because movies go together so painfully well. Don't even listen to it. We nailed listen. it. We're done. That's it. <laughs> wrap, that's a wrap. 
all that stuff and a smack on the bum and tie it up with a bow and serve it to your sister. Do it. Serve it. Word. Word. <laughs> all right, Christine. So what have you been watching on your own time? Okay. Well, I watched a movie that is on Instant Watch called Jack and Diane. Oh, okay. is, I, it's been, do you know about this I, movie? I know that it's been making the rounds on Instant Watch, but I know nothing okay. about this. So it's from last year, and it stars Juno Temple and okay. Riley Keough, I believe I'm saying that right. Uh, Ju- Juno Temple. Huh? She's the she's Lola in, Juno, in, in Atonement. Yes, she is. There's many Atonement threads again this week. <laughs> in this episode. Always, always yeah, Atonement. Nice. But So this is like, I feel like a lot of... I don't, I'm, I'm choosing my words carefully because I don't want to label things inappropriately, but this is a little bit more of a, an experimental indie film. I think I'm safe in calling it that. Um, I feel like a lot of films of this nature say they're about something, like um, that I, I mentioned it a few episodes back, I watched a movie called Love that was about time travel, mm-hmm. but it really wasn't. And like how how Bellflower was about the apocalypse, but it really wasn't. <laughs> Don't talk about that movie, Christine. Don't talk yeah. about that movie ever again. But Jack and Diane is kind of like about werewolves, but minute. it's wait really a not. Wait a minute. Are you telling me that this this movie is not about two American kids doing the best they can? No, it's not. Well, actually, it is. Okay, that's important to me. Continue. But I li- I liked it. It's it okay. isn't what it it's. It's not what it says it is, but it, it's something interesting, and the, the performances in it are super good. And I think there are a lot of people that listen to the show in this community that would enjoy it. So this sh- maybe should have been my recommend, but I have a different recommend. But this, I think people should watch it. I could see people not liking it very easily, very easily. But the performances are solid. Kylie Minogue is in it, and fucking, she fucking can act her ass off. Even, like, in two-second screen time, she's... Awesome. So, hello, Cammy Street Fighter. Believe me, I know. I know she's awesome. So everybody should watch that. And even if you hate it, I'm sure you'll get something out of it, mm-hmm. even if it's hate. <laughs> I watched a documentary that is on Instant called The Imposter. I don't uh, know if you've heard of this. No, you know, I think Chinstroker and Punter did a show about this movie. Um, it's this dude. You find out pretty pretty much at the beginning. He pretends to be this kid that was like reported missing, mm-hmm. but he's. He's, like, not even American, and he... It's this really, you know, yeah. crazy story. Um, I enjoyed the story, and I enjoyed a lot of this documentary, but they made this weird choice. I guess it's not weird, but they made the choice to make it kind of like... There were reenactments in it, like mm. dramatic reenactments, and I was like, okay, that's interesting. And it doesn't usually work well for me. Yeah, I mean, so, I, I like them when they're bad, like I <laughs> um like mystery. Shows. Yeah, it wasn't. It, they weren't bad. If I were but an actor, it was just... my dream would be an actor on on reenactment on mystery. I think you could probably get that. Yeah, gig. and I mean, it's probably like a pretty steady gig too. Yeah, why not? You would maybe have to wear wigs and stuff. But... I don't like um, then I saw in the theater, um, Warm Bodies. Okay. Which is that movie that is directed by that person whose name I can't think of. Um, I'm Googling it because... Roland something something. Jeremy's gonna get mad at me. (laughs) Um, But Nicholas Holt is in it, and he's like... He's in that Jack Giant Slayer movie that I haven't seen. um, He was a kid actor. What was he a kid actor in? Um, He was... He was Beast in X-Men First Class, but we don't have to talk about that. Well, that's how Um, he started dating Jennifer Lawrence. Are they really dating? They're not together anymore. But, I was gonna say, no, but adorable, they, uh, adorable couple. They for a while, right? They've had Adorbs. Sexy babies. 
Um, he <laughs> maybe it was about a boy. Yes, yes, yes. He was. Yeah, he's in that. Yeah. Oh, Jonathan Levine is the director. Sorry, Jared. Oh, oh, oh! All the boys love Mandy Lane. Jonathan yeah, <laughs> I totally forgot. I spaced on his name. Um, a bunch of people said I didn't hear anything about this movie. The only reason I knew this movie existed was because I I know people that really like Nicholas Holt, and that's the only thing I had heard about it. Okay. And then I was like, I was thinking of seeing this movie, and all these people were like, it's so good, and I didn't think it. I didn't think it would be good. Mm. This fucking movie is so good. I really liked it. It was one of those, the second it ended, I was like, I need to watch this immediately. Yeah. It's a zombie movie, but it's like an interesting take on it. Uh, it it, it was, had a weird marketing approach because they were trying to, like, there was kind of buzz about it that's like, oh, it's Twilight with zombies. Because I no. know it's like a romance. Of a, and so I think they tried to go after, like, that demographic, which probably turned off our demographic of people mm-hmm. who would have been which like, is our demographic is who should be seeing it yeah so that, that's interesting and that that does make me i will eventually see it tell me when it comes on instagram <laughs> you should definitely like once it's available you should definitely look at it because it's it's really sweet and it does there was a point in it where it could have taken a, a turn and gone like in a very nihilistic direction or a very hopeful direction and i think it made the right choice so it made me really happy um, and then, let me see, I'm, I feel like that's almost it. I forgot my list. Oh, I watched Moon. Oh, so um, good. I hadn't really seen it all the way through. Oh, so, um, so was this the first time seeing it all the way through? Yeah, like in one okay. sitting, paying... That, now that is an upset, that's a movie that really makes me cry. Yeah, that movie, that's, everybody knows that movie's good. If you haven't seen it yet, for whatever reason, just stop it, go watch it. And then I rewatched Being John Malkovich. Because it, that movie. It, it's been so long. Do you know that movie came out in 1999? I don't want to think about the fact that that's 14 years ago. I, I probably, I saw it do probably. You know Leprechaun came out 20 years ago, Christine, do you? I don't want to talk about that. I, I can't talk about that, I'm sorry. I remember going to the theater to see it. <laughs> Jurassic Park. That whole thing. I was like, yeah, I saw that in the theater. I'm an old woman. But, um, <laughs> yeah, being John Malkovich, I, I was, you know when you really liked something? Especially back then, because, I mean, if I saw it, even if I saw it 10 years ago, it would still make me, I would have been 20. I had questionable judgment. It, I was super, super glad that it held up the way it did. So good. Yeah, that's a movie that I think is very special. Yes, it's amazing. And other so, movies have since tried to capture that. You can't. That you can't, yeah. Like, no. That movie only worked because it was also the first one of that kind of movie to really mm-hmm. hit it big. Yeah, so that is my non-South by list. All right, it's a nice non-South by 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 list. My, South by by. Also, my North Northeast list. <laughs> uh, I have a, a variety of things here. Um, last night I got from Netflix. Um, I did the cool thing where I had long waits, so I put them all at the top of my queue. Mm-hmm. I have two movies, <laughs> even though I only get one. They sent me two because my one couldn't come in time. Uh, so one of those movies was a 1995 thriller. Uh, based on a short story by Robert Coover. Um, Robert Coover is a pretty awesome uh, short story writer. I don't think he, I think he's dead now. Um, but wrote a lot of like really cool stuff. The movie is called The Babysitter, starring mm-hmm. a pre-clueless uh, Alicia Silverstone. That sounds really familiar. It, I am very confused by this movie because it feels like a lifetime movie. But they say fucking it. Mm-hmm. So it had to have been, it wasn't, couldn't have been made for Lifetime or made for like any channel that wasn't HBO. Um, but I don't know that it was a theatrical release. 
And if it was, if they were going for... Sorry, I'm, I'm typing, so, because um, yeah, I, I need to see this. You'll, yeah, it, I mean, the cover is very mid-90s. The thing about this movie is um, it is actually really faithful to the short story. The short story is about one night where there's a babysitter and she's babysitting her family. Um, and the way the story is told is... Oh, I've seen this! You've seen it? Yes! Okay, it's, it's, I mean, it's weird, but having if I had not read the short story, I would have been like, this is a fucking weird movie. But having read the short story, it's, it's verbatim the short story. It is a night of this girl babysitting, and it's like everybody she comes in contact with, like, you basically see their fantasy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like the dad um, of the, you know, the kids that she's babysitting is like, sees her, and then in like the next second all of a sudden he's like you know shooting his wife and like humping her against the wall and you're like what oh and then he's, he's just him back to looking at her and being like oh, okay so we'll be home late and like that's the whole movie is all these characters lusting after alicia silverstone mm. um there's interesting things about it's it's really interesting having read the short story because it's like it, it's just right there on screen and it doesn't really work because it, it, they're just kind of confined by this i think um, like there's some interesting choices with like the music at one point, like when the dad's having a fantasy, it's like really, really cheesy, sex, sexy saxophone, Ooh, sexy, sex. sexy saxophone. but then I'm like, Oh no, I'm like, but that makes sense because like it's his fantasy. So that's what it would be. So it's a, there's a London twin in it. Nikki cat is in it and he is dressed and styled exactly like Spike on Buffy. Oh, really? Before Spike on Buffy was a thing. Yeah. He's oh, got like so the funny. same hairstyle, only it's not bleach blonde, but it's like a little high on the head. And he's got a leather duster, and he's smoking. Like, he looks exactly like Spike. It's weird. Um, Interesting. J.T. Walsh is in it, and a London brother is in it. Jeremy London is in it. That's why I used to... That has to be why I watched it. I can tell you which one is which. I will never learn it. Um, But yeah, it's just... It's a weird movie. Do you remember thinking it was really weird when you watched it, or no? It was a really long time ago, and I really just remember the fact that Alicia Silverstone and Jeremy London were in it. I don't really remember much else. I mean, it's... It's, it would be an interesting film to discuss, actually, because it, it's just weird. Um, I watched, we went through, I went through most of the Pink Panther films, which I have never oh. seen before. Um, I saw them as a child, and I do not remember them. Yeah, I, I had never done that. Um, Brandon is a big fan, and we were kind of randomly, like, wanted something light to watch. Um, so we watched the first, or the, the second three, I guess, A Shot in the Dark, which is direct, written by William Peter Blatty. Um, Return to the Pink Panther, which ha- stars a handsome, young Christopher Plummer. Ooh. He was a dish back in his day. Uh, I mean, he's a dish yes. now as an older man, but he was just... He was, he was a fox. Uh, and Pink Panther Strikes Again, which had um, Diane Cannon in it. Which is weird, because I, I've never seen Diane Cannon in a movie, but her daughter, and I know Will, if you're out there, Will, um, you'll appreciate this, her daughter was on Beverly Hills 90210 for like a season and a half. She played Celeste, Steve's uh, on Off Again Girlfriend. And her daughter looks exactly like Diane Cannon. So I'm watching this Pink Panther movie and the whole time I'm thinking, I'm like, wow, Celeste really does look like her mother. But anyway, <laughs> um, these are really fun. I'd never watched them. Uh, and it was, you know, they're, I mean, they're, some of them kind of wear out their welcome. Some, not all the jokes land. The kind of casual racism is hilarious now. Hmm. Um, and, and Peter Sellers is just wonderful. Herbert Lom is great. I think I have a, I don't know which one is my favorite. Probably for me, the, I think the one with Christopher Plummer, just because it moved the best. 
Whereas the other ones were kind of indulgent with the comedy, which can only last so long before you're like, okay, but how long is this movie? Um, but I enjoyed them. You should revisit them if it's been a while. Yeah. Um, you had to get, they, they're not like streaming or anything, right? You actually uh, we had to get have them. DVDs. So you have them? I don't, they might be streaming. It seems like they would be. I've never noticed it. I don't know. Though. Some things don't pop up though. Right. right. Well, that's the thing. Like, cause I just did that yesterday when I was looking um, to figure out what my pick for my instant pick was going to be. And I was like, Oh my God, there's so much shit on instant watch that never popped up just because I never thought to look at certain categories. I guess. Yeah. Um, okay. I watched, we are what we are. The uh, Spanish cannibal. Mm-hmm. Film. Did you love it? I really liked it. Yeah. yeah I, I still haven't seen it. Um, I mean, it, cause it's, it's funny and has a really interesting family dynamic going on. I know people were poo-pooing the idea of um, Jim Mickle and Nick Dimitri doing a remake, but I'm really excited to see what they'll do with it. Because, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I love their other stuff. I love Stakeland. And I yeah. think that taking this concept, I think they could do a really interesting American version of it that is American, that isn't just let the right one in again in yeah. English. Um, I watched on Instant Watch... I was poking around for, I was in the mood for just like a horror movie that I didn't think would be very good. And I got what I wanted. It was a movie starring Carrie Russell uh, with straight hair and black eyeliner called Green oh, Love. I'm out. I'm sorry. Straight hair? No. Nope. Straight hair. I know. Exactly. Right? It's like there are certain rules about Carrie Russell and you don't straighten that bitch's hair because nope. we saw what happened. Uh, it was a terrible movie about the, um, uh, it's like that famous cannibal case where the man basically uh, put an ad on Craigslist saying, I want to eat someone. And a man was like, I want to be eaten. Yeah, I, I remember that. Yeah, this is a movie about Carrie Russell as a graduate student investigating this. Like she's writing a paper on cannibalism. So the movie is told in like flashbacks of these two men and like her researching it. So the thing is, like, the concept is really interesting and both men are gay. So like you're like, OK, there's this added element that could have been really great. Except the problem is the movie is telling it through Carrie Russell's black eyelinered eyes. Mm-hmm. And it's just boring because she's like her, her whole like she's a goth kid kind of. I don't know. Um, it was just miserable. It was the longest 90 minute movie I've watched. It was miserable. Let me tell you something. There's a scene in this movie where the cannibal guy makes like takes like is weeding dough and makes a torso with a giant penis. I'm not kidding. And then, Mm -hmm. and it's like this buttery dough thing. He rips the buttery dough penis off and starts eating it. Mm -hmm. And this movie was still boring. (laughs) Seriously, how can you have a movie with a dough penis in it and be a boring movie? Um, You be Grimlove, that's how. I was going to say, clearly it happened. Obviously there wasn't enough other stuff going on. That's like the only interesting thing that happens in the movie is the dough penis. (sighs) Anyway, that really upset me, that movie. Clearly. Because I watched it thinking, like, I was getting, like, a, you know, something. And it, like, it did serve its purpose because I know I'm going to have fun writing about it. Mm-hmm. But it was, like, I, I just, the, it, it, I'm, like, oh, my God, it's only 10 o'clock. I've only been watching this movie for 30 minutes. It, it was one of those movies that just time stopped when it was on, and it was painful. Um, a different movie that actually was good was uh, Citadel. Have you heard of it? It's on DVD now. It's got a name that sounds familiar, but it's also got a name that doesn't tell me what it's about. It is about a, like, housing, a slowly abandoned housing development in Ireland, and it opens with this young man and his wife, and they're, like, the wife is pregnant, and she gets attacked by these, like, hooligans who uh, kill her, but the baby's born. Oh, it sounds Um, awesome. So then the dude is all, like, agoraphobic and stuff, but he goes back to this citadel i forget why um 
And then he meets a whole bunch of actors from Game of Thrones. Uh, and they have to fight the, like, monster children. Mm-hmm. I'm making, I'm not giving it a good description other than the fact that it is Game of Thrones. Oh, it sounds good. Monster children. It was really good. So I think sort of like Attack the Block meets, um, uh, Chernobyl Diaries, if Chernobyl Diaries was good. Mm, um, if only. Sprinkled with Game of Thrones actors. Okay. I enjoyed it, is, is the ultimate, I will say there. It has some problems, but, um, overall, I'd, I'd recommend it. Uh, I went to TBS one day, Ferris Bueller's Day Off was on, so I sat down to watch some of it. Holy shit, does that movie not work when you're a grown-up? No, it doesn't. I, I've, I've watched it as a semi-adult. It's, it's like the movie or the play Rent, where you watch it now as somebody who, like, pays your rent, and you're like, fuck you, get a job, pay your rent. <laughs> you watch this movie, you're like, you are a little twerp. Yeah. Ferris Bueller is an asshole. He, he's not as charming when, yeah. Ass. And part of it is also because I know somebody who saw Matthew Broderick walk his dog and he didn't pick up his poop. I think you told me that. Yeah, instantly damned him <laughs> to hell in my book. So I am immune to the charms of Matthew Broderick. But still, Ferris Bueller is an asshole. Uh, 28 weeks later, we, I think we, <gasps> I feel like we I just, I just bought that. It just came in the mail today. I love this fucking movie. I'm watching the shit out of it later. I think it is such a good, it is, I think, as a sequel to a movie that was so fresh, this movie manages to be just as fresh. Um, It has, it does so many things that I think are so horror movies should do that they don't do. It kills people that you don't expect it to kill. Um, It has decisions made that you don't expect to be made. Uh, It has one of the greatest, it has characters made. Can we just stop recording right now so I can go watch it? Uh, so no. 90 minutes, and I'm gonna be sleeping by that time. So okay, so no. Right, damn it. Um, my point being, 28 weeks later is fucking awesome. Urg. That opening I scene. Saw- the opening scene. Oh my god. See, I remember the opening scene. I saw it in the theater. Mm-hmm. I know I loved it, but then I go and I look on IMDb, and it's like Idris Elba. What? Right. Jeremy Renner. He's in that. Mm-hmm. Rose Byrne. Who's yeah. she in this? Yeah. Don't remember anybody in They're this all movie. All Imogen Poots. Yes, now, I, like all sexy and hot is the daughter. I don't remember any person in this film. I cannot wait to remember. For me, it was reverse. I have always remembered, like, when Jeremy Renner was slowly getting big for, like, Hurt Locker, I was like, yeah, I had a crush on him before anybody knew his name. Um, and the same with, uh, like, I always knew Rose Byrne from this movie. Uh, it's, oh, it's so good. And Robert Carradine. Robert Carradine oh, yeah. Making. I really want to. Oh, God. Making a decision that is such a great decision for a character in a horror movie to make because it's the decision characters never make. Ugh. It's so good. Um, I love, I love this movie. A lot. Well, I'll be talking about it next time we yeah. record. Yeah. Well, I look forward to refreshing my love for it. Woohoo! Um, oh, did I, have I expressed to you, though, my disappointment? This is a weird thing. I, I like I said, I always had a crush on Jeremy Renner. Mm-hmm. And then I found out he was gay. And I was like, oh. He's not gay. Well, that's the thing. I was like, now he's kind of my gay crush. That's really cool. I'm glad he's all out. And now it's like, he's like, no, I'm not gay. I don't know where that's. And like, is it weird that my crush has actually lessened on him? No, it's finding not. out that he's not gay? I don't think so. Okay. I kind of like that he was a confident gay man, but now I'm like. And now he's not a confident gay man. Yeah. Now he's not as hot. Anyway. Like a confident gay, like semi-action star. Yeah. I like that. I thought that was great. I mm. think that was it. Um, I would, uh, um, a movie that I never thought I would actually sit down and watch, even though it is on TNT every 10 minutes or so, The American President. What is that movie? It's, uh, with Michael Doug, uh, Michael okay, Doug yeah. plays the That's American what I thought. 
Fantasy about the president falls in love while in office with Annette Benning, and it's yeah. like, oh my god, president can't be in love. Uh, written by Aaron Sorkin, directed by Rob Reiner. This movie is delightful. <laughs> I am, because I did not, it, again, this is like one of Brandon's favorite movies, and I like always avoided watching it. And you were always like, what's wrong with you? Why is this one of your favorite movies? It just like kind of seemed like the kind of movie that I really didn't have an interest in, because it was mm-hmm. like, Annette Benning in a romantic comedy about the president. Ew. But it is so funny um really sweet like you completely buy into the relationship the characters don't make the kind of stupid um character decisions that characters make in these kinds of movies just for the sake of it happening michael douglas is great he is charming and likable and the president the it's aaron sorkin dialogue so it's really good dialogue because they talk really fast but they know what they're saying and you believe what they're saying even if you don't understand it um but it, like I was really, really surprised by how charming this movie was. Would you classify it as a romantic comedy? Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there, like, because there are there is politics in there, but not in a. I mean, it's not in the forefront. Right. I mean, yeah. It they, it is, and it it comes down to it. You know, it gets bigger as the movie goes on. But ultimately, this is a movie about two people falling in love, and you're totally there for them, and you want them to fall in love. So yeah, I was so pleasantly surprised by how much I enjoyed this movie. Um, I've got two more here. One was uh, another Netflix instant watch was a movie called Hell. Uh, did you watch it? No, but it just sounds oh, so it, hellish. It's a German-Austrian movie. I could not... T- I thought they were talking French the whole movie because the girl's name was Marie, but apparently they're talking German, I think. Wow. <laughs> well, because I also... I watched most of it on my iPhone going to work, so, like, I had my earphones in, but I was reading the subtitles, so I didn't have to listen to it. Yeah. It was more like reading it. It's a post-apocalyptic movie. It, um, it, I recommend it for people like me who just really like post-apocalyptic movies. The visuals are awesome. It's a, made on a really low budget, but they, the way they... Because the post-apocalypse, it's like there's a solar storm, so it's just really hot. And there's always... There's the sun is burning everywhere. It's a gorgeous-looking film. Uh, and the lead actress is, is really good. It just says the movie went on... It kind of went nowhere because there was really no nowhere for it to go so story-wise i like it ended and i'm like oh so wait do i care no not really but it looked really good so if you if again if you like post-apocalyptic stuff it it doesn't um baby anything it it shows you brutal stuff so i liked it for that reason um and oh yeah and i sped through game of thrones season two because i am preparing for season three uh that's awesome the way I mean everybody loves Game of Thrones but if you've read the books the way they've adapted season two is amazing I think Mm -hmm. Uh, and the last movie I would like to talk about is a little movie that if you grew up in the 80s and the 90s you probably saw it quite a lot especially if you at HBO aka Hey Beastmaster is on I've never seen Beastmaster (gasps) I did actually grow up in the 80s used to call HBO the Hey Beastmaster is on channel no. As in H K B B. It's clever. Yeah, I'll give him that. Oh my god! I want you to watch it, but, but that's the thing is, I had to buy it from like a. I have. I don't have it on me. No, there's um. I bought a six pack of movies, and it's like five Asylum movies and Beastmaster. Oh. I bought it just for Beastmaster. It. Oh my god! I can't believe you've never seen Beastmaster. No, oh, I've never seen it. It's so weird. Is it good? It's amazing. Except okay. Not. <laughs> It's, it's, um, it's the kind of movie that you sit down and you watch, especially like, 
And I knew that it, I hadn't watched it in years, but I, I, there was so much about it that I remembered. Like, there are ferrets in the movie, and everything I know about ferrets I learned from Beastmaster. Um, but, like, sitting down and watching it from beginning to end with Brandon, who'd never seen it, and who therefore was, like, asking questions, um, mm-hmm. really does show, like, this is actually a terrible movie. But it's amazing. Um, it's Don Coscarelli directed. It has some, like, pretty cool sword fighting sequences and stuff, you know. As a Don Coscarelli did Phantasm, and there are some good horror movie design elements in there. Some of the creatures are actually kind of creepy. But it's also just, like, Mark Singer just is, like, a big hunk of man doing his thing. Um, there's uh, unacknowledged incest in the movie that I don't Ooh. want to spoil, but let's just so. say when the movie ends, you need to sit back and think, wait a minute, aren't they? But anyway, um, I am sad that you've never seen Beastmaster. I might have to rectify that. God. Well, when you come to visit, I can always lend it to you where we can watch it. That's true. We can watch it. I watch it. I'd watch it again. <laughs> it must be really good then. It's not, but it is. I know our listeners will, will support me on this. I will start a Beastmaster thread and we will talk about how important that movie was. I'm sure that I know. I mean, I know about it. I've read about it. I. You've got, oh, the I, best thing too, it's rated like PG because it's the 80s. And, and everything was rated PG. Thro- sacrificing children, throwing them into yeah. pits of fire. It's great. Oh, the 80s when yeah, right. rated. It's such a good time. No wonder we grew up the way we did. Oh, awesome. That's how we grew up. Right. Um, and then the last thing is um, currently uh, I have the TV on mute because I, I, I need something in front of me. Uh, and Starship Troopers is on the BBC channel. So Starship Troopers is on mute behind me. That's all I have to say. Awesome. Mm. Clapping it up for you. Exactly. So what, what, tell me, Scoop, Scoop <laughs> Mick, Mick, uh, what was your nickname again? I don't even Scoop remember. Scoop Mick News. Scoop Mick Person. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Tell me what you learned at 6060 Film Festival. All right. So I attended South by Southwest, which is, um, um, but primarily, I guess it's still a music festival in Austin, but it's also, um, incorporates quite a nice film program and they also have an interactive portion and I attended the film program this is my first um festival proper I've never done a film festival before um I think I got 20 some odd movies in which I guess I'm personally proud of because I was working as well as sharing a single car with another individual that had to go to work so I feel like I did okay considering um but I I will go in the order in which I saw them and it's written down on a piece of paper because I still haven't, I haven't logged it into the computer yet. Is it, is it the pen in your ear and is the hat with the press pass on your head? I can put the pen in my ear, but I lost my hat. So somebody send me a new one. <clears throat> okay. So the first movie I saw was, um, I guess, I can't remember, Burt Wonderstone. Is it The Amazing or The Incredible? I think it's I don't The Incredible Burt Wonderstone. The Incredible Burt Wonderstone. I hated it. It was awful. Hmm. Um, but I, I mean, world premiere. I mean, but I didn't like it. Okay. That's the, if people don't know, that's the movie with, um, Olivia Wilde and, um... Was it Jim Carrey? Tim, it's the Jim Carrey, Tim Carrell. and Buff, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, it's whatever. It's kind of boring. Um, I saw Evil Dead. Right. And I loved it. That's exciting. It was, it was really good. Now, how much of that do you think was the theater experience? I would say probably 35 to 40%. Okay. And now... It is, it's serious, right? It's not funny? Um, or is it both? I mean, if we're compare, if we're, no, if we're comparing it to the original, Mm -hmm. um, stuff, 
if you if you will, like the original franchise. Um, it's not funny, okay. but it's not like it's not played so straight that it's like this dark, you know, okay. thing that you leave feeling like super depressed. I understand. Um, I liked it. I thought it was smart. I thought it was it pushed things a lot further than I thought it was going to. So I don't I mean, this is this is for me, like why you don't ever pan just without seeing them reboots, yep. reimaginings, because it did its own thing. Mm -hmm. It like existed in the universe that the other films existed in and it did its own thing. Cool. It was good. Um, I saw Much Ado About Nothing. Oh, <gasps> uh, yeah. So fucking good. And that is probably about 35% me just... Being a Jocelyn be, fangirl. Yeah, like, okay, go ahead, do it. What are you going to do? House. Like, you get to see his house. It was so funny, and it was so clever, and I was talking to some people uh, standing in line with, and I thought it was just me, but, like, the first maybe five to ten minutes, you're like, oh, my God, I don't think I'm going to be able to do this because I don't understand anything that anybody's saying. Wow. And then all of a sudden, it's like somebody flips a switch, and, like, you, it all makes sense, and it yeah. just all flows perfectly, and you're like, oh, okay. And, and Wesley's in it, right? Yep, he's the male lead. Oh, good. And he's, he's all okay? He can, he can talk? Right? Yeah. Okay. He's amazing. Okay, good. And I know he had like the Bell's Palsy thing. And yeah, I know. it's so good. And Fred oh, is in it. Fred is the female lead. Um, everybody is in it. That's exciting. And I attended the panel. I got up at four in the morning. No. To gentleman's guide time. It is gentleman's guide time. I got home the night before from um, Evil Dead at like two. And then I got maybe two and a half hours of sleep, and then I got back up because I had to get... That is hardcore. I had to fucking do it, man, because the panel, everybody was there. Everybody yeah. was there. And everybody Joss was there, was there sure. and Nathan Fillion was there, and it was just... Oh, so good. Sweet. And in between standing and... See, the thing about South By is, and I don't know if it's like that with every festival, but it's pretty much hurry up and wait, like rush to get somewhere and then sit there for an hour and a half. Mm. So in between my hurrying up and waiting for Much Ado, I saw, um, I did a, a conversation with Danny Boyle, which was really, really good. And he talked at length about, um, like, the music mm. and stuff in okay. his films, and it was awesome. And yeah, I thought of you. I mean, that's somebody who knows how to use music. Yeah, I, th I thought you would really enjoy it. So he was awesome and pleasant. I then saw Drinking Buddies, which is um, Joe Swanberg movie with Olivia Wilde and um, that dude that's on that Zoe Deschanel show. Okay, I've decided, I can't think of I don't name. know the difference between Olivia Wilde and Olivia Munn. Oh, know. if you if you saw, you would know. Um, she's in Burt Wonderstone. I didn't see Burt Wonderstone. But you know who she is because that you. I swear you. She's the one who shows her boobs in Magic Mike, or is that the other one? I don't know who shows their boobs in Magic Mike. I blocked that film out. Um, the four cowboys and aliens at my Seven Eleven, or is that the other one? I don't know. Is it the I don't know these Why people. Why in waves? I'm not sure. I like this one, though. Hold on, let me... <laughs> let me, um, do the other one. I don't know who the other one is. Oh, one of them is Olivia. They, they're both... They, they they're both super pretty. She's really pretty. Girls. Oh, this I Olivia... This Olivia Munn is apparently in, um, New Girl, which is bringing it back to what I was... Oh, she's in... Mag Olivia Munn's in Magic Mike. Okay. So I don't Olivia know who Wild that is. Olivia is the one who you saw in this movie. Yeah. Okay. Um, apparently know, I'm not going to remember. It's like how I always say I'll know the difference between Grimm and Once Upon a Time. I but this movie's very good. And it's okay. cute and it's funny. And it's 
one of, oh, you know who, maybe you don't know who that is. Um, Scott Pilgrim's sister <laughs> from Scott Pilgrim. Um, you know, she's in it too. Um, there's a lot of people in it. It's just really good in it. I, I, I liked it a lot. It's, um, I think I wrote a review of it on the, on the, on the Paris Cinema site. I saw Mud, which is Jeff Nichols' new movie with Matthew McConaughey. Oh, nice. How was that? I sat next to Matthew McConaughey. What? Weird, right? No. Wait, like, I sat next like, to... You could have spilled your popcorn on his crotch? Um, yeah, and he was next to his mom. It was so no, cute. Oh, God. No, stop. I wanted to be like, I loved you and Bernie. No, I'm serious. And you weren't like, I love you and Bernie? No, I didn't say, I didn't say a fucking word, man. Oh. Loose lips sink ships. I didn't say shit. <laughs> you didn't... You at least could have spilled something on him. That's what I would have No, said. he seems super nice. He seemed really nice. Um, but it was so weird. Okay, this movie was amazing. It is not Take Shelter amazing. Okay. Take Shelter still wins for me. Um, but it was so good. And I feel like it would it would only improve with rewatches. I feel like that that's Jeff Nichols' thing. I think a lot of his films would get better upon second view. Yeah. And Michael Shannon's not in it nearly oh. as much as he should be. He, wh- ooh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not excited about this now. But no, it's still really good. I think you would really like it. I think everybody should see it when it's available to be seen. But um, the funniest thing was, I'm, I'm not saying that Matthew McConaughey was laughing at himself, but it's really weird to, to <laughs> hear somebody laughing and like next to you and then hear them on screen. It's weird. It was a weird disconnecty weird. thing. But it was cool. I It was neat. Um, interesting you, experience. Did his mom like the movie? I didn't ask. I'm sure yeah. she did. It was, he's, he's really, again, with the amazing performances. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's found his, his way. Um, I then saw a movie called The Weight, and it had, I went and saw it basically because Jenna Malone was in it. Okay, who I will uh, always confuse with Tina Majorino. I don't even know who that is. Yes, you do. Napoleon Dynamite, um, Waterworld. Uh, I, I couldn't pick her out of a lineup. I, well, that's I, the thing. Is like she, her and Jenna Malone like, always did like, similar movies. But Jenna Malone was in Donnie Darko. Yes, but Tina Majorino was in Napoleon Dynamite. I don't like Napoleon Dynamite, though. They are, they are cinematic doppelgangers. I, but Jenna Malone went through this phase where almost every movie she, she was in, she wore, like, a Catholic school uniform. You're right. Oh, yeah, yeah. She was, an ABC, <laughs> was she an ABC? God, the movie I can't say out loud, apparently. The one that you were trying to say? I don't know, yeah. but she was in um, Saved. The, um, oh, right, 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 the Christian one. Yeah, yeah, she she was good in that. But um, this it also had what's her face? Um, I can't think of her name now. Not Zoe Deschanel, Chloe Sevigny. Okay. So I'm like, oh, this is gonna be solid. I didn't really like it, but if you have a chance to see it, Jenna Malone's awesome in it. I saw Milo, which is um, a movie about a demon that lives in somebody's butt. Um, it's really really good. Ken Marino's in it, and um, the girl that's Britta on mm-hmm. Community. So if you get a chance to see this, everybody should see that. Demon living in butt. But it's like, does it like kill people by farting? No, it's like a it's, good fart jokes at least. Mm, there's like more. It's uh, yeah, I guess. But, but, but I mean, it's a good fart joke or it's not a good fart joke. Or well, it's, it's more like shit between. jokes than fart jokes, mm, but okay. but like the the creature is actually it's like a practical creature and the creature design's super good and like it looks it's very sympathetic looking. Interesting. Even though it kills people, it's one of those movies that is going to be like a quote-unquote cult movie and it didn't really try to be that okay. which is what i really like um but that's a good one um i saw rewind this which is the vhs documentary 
made by people we are friends with in Austin. Um, and it's so good. Like, if you have any type of, not even nostalgia just for VHS, mm-hmm. but nostalgia for, like, like physical media at all, yeah. it's, it's going to be really good. You're going to enjoy it. I saw a documentary called Elena. It was okay, I guess. I saw a movie called Kelly and Victor, which I call the auto-erotic asphyxiation movie, and people should see that, um, because it is... Is it like a documentary, or is it a... No, there's just like... killer going around auto-erotically asphyxiation. It's a love story with auto-erotic asphyxiation, and um, dude, his name's um, Julian Morris, I guess, but he was in Pretty Little Liars, and I was super excited. And that segues into the fact at the end of a lot of these things, there were usually Q and A's with either like directors or actors or both. And the director for this movie comes up and somebody says, how did you cast this film? Like the performances are so strong. And this is a heavy recommend for me. It's Kelly plus Victor. If you get, if anybody can see this movie, see this movie. Um, he, somebody's like, Oh, their performances are so strong. How did you cast them? And he starts talking about the woman who's in it. And then he's like in the male lead, Julian Morris, who was in, he says, P- PLL, pretty much. <laughs> and I'm like, what? Dead fucking silence in this theater. Cloud? Yes! Yay! Because that's the atmosphere is very, What's like, wrong with that? celebratory hey, of, you like. You were the only person in there celebrating PLL. No one else was celebrating Pretty Little Liars. And then he actually paused and had to be, like, Pretty Little Liars. And I'm like, yeah, clap it up, Pretty Little Liars. Yeah, so I'm, I'm the tool in that screening if anybody else. Else is there? Um, I saw Holy Ghost People, which is, I guess, a movie that some people were excited about that I didn't like. It had too much CGI blood. Um, I don't really know. Don't I, if you see it, see it. Whatever. Um, I saw I Give It a Year, which was actually kind of charming. Dan Mazer, you know who that is? I don't think so. the the. Um, I'm like ridiculous tonight. I can't remember anything. Um, Borat. With, he was, was directed it? Or? Yeah, he's the, he's the dude that does all those movies. Let me click on him instead I of like... For Bruno. Pulling like he a... He did producer on a bunch of things. Let's see what he wrote. He wrote Da Ali G Show, Dog White Fan. <laughs> okay, so he did... Um, so all that... A lot of G stuff. Yeah, all that, that Borat stuff, mm-hmm. which I am a proponent for that film. But um, so this is kind of more like a romantic comedy. Um okay. And it's got Rose Byrne and um, Anna Faris. weeks later, Rose Byrne. Yes, and Anna Faris and um, Minnie Driver is super good in it. It's like, it is very British, and I like that a lot about it, because it's not just like an American film with British actors in it. It's very, you know, British. they say. Yeah, and, and it's so good because I liked it, too. This is so stupid, such a stupid reason to like it. There's American actors in it. And they don't ever explain why they're there. They're never like, oh, here's this American person in London. Crazy, right? No, it's just they exist as a character in the film. I don't know if I support that. I hate when that happens. I hate when there's like this over-explanation anytime someone foreign is somewhere. <laughs> um, but I, I think I thought it was charming. It, it's a good comedy. Um, Grow Up Tony Phillips, which is um, Emily Haggins, who did um, the... That pathogen that movie. movie, the zombie oh, movie, the little, the little like girl, thirteen-year-old who's now probably like twenty-two or so. Yeah, she's. I think she's in her early twenties now. Okay. Um, but she's she's an Austin resident, so this is like a pretty big deal. Sure. Opening screening. It grow up. Tony Phillips is good. I wrote about it on the site. Very sweet. Pit Stop is a movie that I didn't really like. Um, the Great Hip Hop Hoax is a documentary that I feel like a lot of people in 
our community would enjoy. It's about two Aust- no, two Scottish gentlemen who pretended to be American to get a record contract. Really interesting. Not that best, the, not the best execution wise, but I mean, still interesting. Um, I saw Spring Breakers. Okay. Which I fucking loved. Interesting. I liked it a lot. Um, I know that opened wide, so it's not really like a big deal. And I, I didn't think, go. I think it's still a movie that a lot of people are are because um, it, it seems very polarizing. I haven't seen it. Oh my I gosh! Yes. I haven't really like seen it. I've only seen kids. I haven't seen um, his other films. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't really have any like you know, desire to see it, but I feel like eventually I'll watch it because everybody will have an opinion on it and I'll feel left out. Yeah. And I'm kind of glad that I got to form an opinion before other people started throwing their opinions because people are saying some really crazy shit about this movie. And I, I really liked it. I think I'm the right audience for it. I think if you aren't, you're going to just pick out every little thing you can't stand. Um, but I liked it a lot. The performances were really, really good. Um, I thought it was fun in, like, a not-fun way, so... Okay. Um, I saw a documentary called Hey Bartender, which is is about bartending, and it was kind of obnoxious because all the people they followed were, like, pompous. The hipster bartenders. But it was still interesting, like, the history of the cocktail and stuff. Yeah. I feel like yeah. a, a movie about, like, bartending in terms of drinks could be great, mm. but I feel like I would hate the bartenders in the movie. When you, when you align, when the person you align yourself with is somebody that you don't care for, yeah. it's like, you're like, ugh. Um, I finally saw your next. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I still have, but, I mean, I, Nobody Adam really has seen it. I know. But, like, everybody's screaming, how have you not seen this yet? Like, oh, but, yeah, I'm sorry, because it's not available legally for me to I see. I know. And this is the thing that kills me about year-end lists. Mm-hmm. Like, this is technically a 2011 film. I would put it on my yeah, list I, for this year. I remember year. Vishnu talking about it. Yeah. From He's been talking about it for a while. I feel like that was years ago. I feel like yeah. the first time I met him, which now feels like eras ago, mm-hmm. you know. He... Um, fan- Fantastic Fest got it, and um, Tiff got it, and then I feel like, and then apparently it dropped off the face of the universe. Um, but it's really good, and you know who's in it? Do you know the female lead? Uh, bitch from Step Up Three, right? Yes. Yeah, I think it's time you should tell me that. I'm like, oh my god. Yeah, I don't talk in movies. I was like, Dylan, Dylan, and he looks at me. I'm like. Is that the girl from Step Up? And then Matthew it's McConaughey's like, like shh. <laughs> and he's like, no. And then I, I run to the, my, the car and I IMDb it. I'm like, yes, it fucking was. It was her. But uh, it's it's a good movie. I mean, I think you would really like it, too. I, I mean, I watched, uh, oh, God, what was the other one they did? Um, a Horrible Way to Die. I still haven't seen that. I'm in love with A.J. Bowen. Is yeah, that? he's really good. I'm that. in he's love really with him. Um, I, it. Uh, a Horrible Way to Die was was good. It was just, I mean, it was like Midnight Me Train where I think it was a terrible title because mm-hmm. it makes you think you're going to watch a very different film. Oh, okay. Um, well, that's good to know going yeah, on. It's, it's not a, like, grisly, brutal anything. Like, it's actually a movie about a recovering alcoholic and a couple of other things that are happening. Like, and I, I don't, I want to be careful because it, I feel like it's a movie that can be spoiled pretty easily. Um, it's really, it's really well acted. The, uh, AJ Bowen's great. The female lead in that movie is fantastic. Um, I think, am I crazy? It might be the same woman from Yellow Brick Road and The Signal. Oh, maybe. I feel like that's a very interesting um, universe. Uh, horrible. Now I got to see this. Oh, no, it, it's not. It's not. Um, Amy Semite, some other woman, but she looks oh, like she, 
she's in this movie. Okay, that makes sense. So it, you could tell that they probably because even the um, it's Simon Barrett and Adam Wingard. I feel like they've done a couple of movies where they like rotate who's writing, yes, and directing. And all adapting. these people. It's it's this whole thing because Joe Swanberg is in this movie, and Joe Swanberg did Drinking Buddies, and Ty West is in okay. Drinking Buddies, and Ty West is in this movie. Yeah, so there's and, it's like a group of pals who make movies yeah. and stuff. It's, which I'm fine with. I think Joe Swanberg. Yeah, I, I'm fine with really it. And Horrible Way to Die is a good movie. It just for some reason I was expecting something different. I think, but mm-hmm. um, it was good, and I you know really want to see your next because it's got the girl from step three well i was gonna say if that, i think this might be the movie you were expecting possibly because <laughs> it's definitely possible and barbara crampton's in it oh like i got super excited for I that would, too i would get excited for that. yeah so i'm really glad i finally saw it and it did live up to the hype um okay. i had some problems with the back end but that's neither here nor there but it was still enjoyable all the way around and then maybe one of my most anticipated films closing night film would be the east um, which is Britt Marling's new movie. Britt Marling, who did another, Earth, who was in Another Earth, oh, and she co-wrote Sound of My Voice. I'm very pro Britt Marling. Um, I can't say the director's name, and I'm not even going to try. And he co-wrote this, but it's also got Alexander Skarsgård, my second favorite Ooh. Skarsgård, and Ellen Page. Um, and I really liked this movie a lot. It's I think it's going wide at the end of May. Um, and I think people should see it. And Alexander Skarsgård is super good in it. And Ellen Page is fucking awesome. So very nice. The <laughs> the director's name is Zalbert Mangelich. Apparently, his brother is the the lead singer of Vampire Weekend. That band. I don't know if you know that band. I, I was like really weird. Interesting. Interesting. So that was South by Southwest. Wow. So and you I, sat next to Matthew McConaughey and his mom. And I, I get to see Alexander Skarsgård in person. Ooh. Super hot. Super tall, right? Yeah, I wasn't, like, near him or anything. Like Nordic men. But he, he had, like, you don't realize it. I don't know how many how many Alexander Skarsgård things you're watching. <laughs> but he, his, when he's just speaking, like, a normal, like, in his normal voice, he has, like, the faintest accent. It's very cute. <laughs> so I look forward now. Yeah, you should. You should look for Be on the lookout for his little Maybe accent. I shall. All right, well, thank you for that report. Yeah, I'm sorry it was so long. Um, for, for most of our listeners and me, uh, in three years, maybe, we'll also get to see your next. I hope so. Um, did you? Hey, All the Boys Love Manny Lane is apparently finally getting a U.S. release. I know. 35 it's, years after it was made. You would think that, that once um, Amber Heard, her popularity picked up, you'd think it would, wouldn't have taken that long. Yeah, weird, 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 weird. All right, well, we are going to take a little break. Mm-hmm. I am going to drop in music eventually and not know how to fade out. And then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about a little movie called The Wings of Desire. I like how you, oh, uh, it's Wings of the Dove. But <laughs> of the Dove. <laughs> but I like how you took, you took initiative and made that call. I tried, you know, because it's always like, what do you want to cover? And you're like, I don't know. And I'm like, I don't know either. So we'll just go chronological. So this time we're going chronological. All right, fine. Don't yeah, yell at me. Deal with it. All right. All right. We'll be back. All the nerd rage, pop culture, and illegitimate lists you never knew you couldn't live without. It's The Break Room. Listen and subscribe now at GasolineHighFive.com. Now with 100% more train yard. With tuppence for paper and strings, you can have your own set of wings. With your feet on the ground, you're a bird in flight. With your fist holding tight, 
to the string of your kite. Oh, let's go fly a kite up to the highest height. Let's go fly a kite and send it soaring up through the atmosphere, up where the air is clear. Oh, let's go fly a kite. And we are back after Hi. we were separated by a dimension of time and space, a dimension of sight and sound. And sound, yeah. It was, yeah, it's crazy. Reason, it was like I was typing things and they weren't going through, and it was scary. But now we're here. We're, we're talking back. about my pick, 1997's "The Wings of the Desirous Dove." The desire, the dove that's filled with desire. Dove that is filled with much desire. So much desire. Now I picked this movie, so you know what that means. I have to synopsize it. Synopsize it. Um. All right, I can do that. Mm-hmm. Um. Hmm. So, this is basically a film about a love triangle. Yeah. Um, and, I, and then after that, I'm kind of confused, to be honest <laughs> with you. Um, I don't think this is really a synopsis, but no, there's, there's, really. a, there's, an, there's an American woman that has a lot of money, uh-huh. and Helena Bonham Carter wants some money, and then the guy she loves, she wants him to get the money, mm-hmm. but then money's not important in the end. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you should make a living out of doing this. An impoverished woman who has been forced to choose between a privileged life life with her wealthy aunt and her journalist lover befriends an American heiress. When she discovers the heiress is attracted to her own lover and is dying, she sees a chance to have both the privileged life she cannot give up and the lover she cannot live without. Well, now, there you go. I just did that off the top of my head. That was amazing. (laughs) Amazing. Uh, yeah, this I believe it is based on a Henry James novel, of mm-hmm. which I have not read. Uh, and it is uh, set in 1910, I think. Right? That sounds right. I think when I read that somewhere. Apparently they pushed the action back. I think in the book it's 1902. And the movie, they decided to push it back a little bit. I don't really mm-hmm. know why, because I don't know that period of history very well. Um but so long as it got me the costumes in this movie, everything's fine. You're fine with it? The costumes in this movie, oh my god, are amazing. The hats, can we talk about the hats? We can talk about the hats. Do, do, were you not as turned on by those hats as I was? No, I think, I think it was really very Emily-specific, to be honest Let's with you. Let's talk about the first time we see Helena Bottom Carter. Uh-huh. She's sitting on a train in this gorgeous velvet blue coat thing. Mm-hmm. And she's got on this hat that is bigger than we've ever did you ever go sledding on those like big plastic sleds yeah yeah it's like that size only it's velvet and has a floppy flower on it and feathers and everything else Mm -hmm. it's amazing and she wears like 10 of these throughout the film and every last one is better than the other i honestly i can honestly tell you that i did not even notice we have different values we do i'm sorry it's okay um, so Helena Bottom Carter was once a an actress of um, variety, if you will. Yes. Uh, uh, yes. Yeah. This she's fairly young in this movie, nominated for an Oscar for it. Mm-hmm. She plays the character of Kate. Now, I think th- there are, like we said, a lot of things that bind these two films together, and certainly one of them is that the they are centered on a female who 
can maybe be, be considered very unlikable. Yes, that's fair, I think. And, no. and I think this, this, is, this is interesting, and this is going to play in quite a bit. Mm-hmm. One film, I'm able to see past that initial unlikability, and one film I am not. Now, which one were you not? I did not like anybody in this movie. I didn't I didn't like anybody. I didn't understand their motives. I didn't care. I I wanted it to be over. Wow. Okay. Now I blind picked this movie, so I didn't know what I was getting into. Mm-hmm. Did you like it? I did. Let's just get right to that. Yeah, the- no, I did like it. Uh, something that I think, because I was worried as I started watching it, I'm like, oh, this is gonna be like a slow costume drama thing. <laughs> And one thing that I thought was really interesting about it was, to me, it wasn't slow. No, it wasn't slow. No, I don't think it was a slow costume like, period drama at all. Yeah, it moves. Like, it, maybe it moves too fast. Because um, I think there is something to say that it, it kind of hits on these relationships. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't stay with them in a way that is both good and bad. Because I feel like this movie could have, I mean, well, okay. For me, this movie could have been tedious and slow. Um, had they just because you have all of these seeds of relationships starting, and I think if the movie chose to spend more time with any of them, relationships might have been enriched, but it also might have meant, oh man, this movie just keeps going. For yeah. me, this movie just moved, and I was really surprised by how briskly paced it was. Um, so you have, you know, Kate, like. But at the same time, I did have issues because it never gave me time to get to know certain things. Yeah. Kate has kind of been thrust into this life of privilege. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we, we have some sympathy for her because she is kind of doing it also to protect her father. Yes, which is... Uh, I, and really, it's in the back end of this film where I'm just like, what? when did this turn? I don't understand. Because, yeah, Kate makes a lot of decisions that get very iffy. Mm-hmm. Um, so Kate basically is being raised by her snooty aunt, Charlotte Rampling. Yes. Charlotte Rampling. Uh, and Charlotte Rampling does not want Kate associating with her father, Michael Gamble. Mm-hmm. Uh, she doesn't want her. She wants her to marry rich and live rich and all that stuff. Kate likes money. Kate wants to be happy. Uh, but Kate is in love with Merton, the journalist. And at, there are times when you kind of feel like Kate would just run off with Merton and be happy, except her aunt is kind of supporting her dad. Mm-hmm. So if she does this, she's also kind of cutting off her dad. So she doesn't want to do that. Uh, and also, there's something to the fact that it's 1910. Uh, mm-hmm. We don't really know much about Kate, but what else is she going to do? She's, it's a different time period where, you know, today, if you're, I don't know, if your parents are really wealthy and you fall in love with Antonio Sabato Jr. from uh, that William Princeton, <laughs> Shannon Doherty movie we watched. Yes. Like, okay, yeah, you're going to lose your inheritance, but you can get a job at Starbucks. Like, exactly. Be okay. In this movie, like, it is 90, like, no, what is she going to do? We don't know. Like, she doesn't know. Like, she probably has no skill that would be useful in any way like she would be pretty much cast out yeah like her marrying uh this man who she loves wouldn't get them anything that would you know she would end up being he would be saddled with her in a way Mm -hmm. um so she just you know figures out this plan this morally dubious but maybe not plan 
which is they meet Millie. And Millie is this, you know, happy-go-lucky young American who's dying and who's really rich. And Kate realizes very easily that Millie is kind of taken with Merton. Mm-hmm. So Kate's just like, all right, here's the deal. You fall, she's going to fall in love with you. She's already in love with you. She's going to die soon, leaves you money, then we get married. It's great. See, I wasn't entirely clear on that. Does that sound weird? Mm, I don't know. To me, it was clear, but there are decisions that are unclear. Because, yes, to me, it was clear that Kate kind of manipulates Merton into coming to Venice with them. Mm -hmm. Um, And he has no idea why. He just thinks he's going to see Kate. And then he's like, oh, your friend is here. Okay. Um, So that I understood. It's like, oh, I got at that point. No, Kate realizes she can kind of set them up this way. What... What baffled me was then Kate also Kate continuously makes decisions that undermine her plan. Exactly. So a week after he gets there and it's very clear that Millie is falling in love with him, Kate basically seduce like steals Merton away and they wander around Venice and has sex with him and comes home late in a way where there's no way Millie didn't know what happened between them. Mm-hmm. And it seems very, like, irresponsible on the part of, like, if you're trying to gold dig, there's, it's not that hard to do, like, the way she's trying to do it. I think that they were trying to show the conflicted nature of the character. I would agree. But and it didn't work for me that way. You know, because what confused me was because I bought that there, it's also, like, Victorian-ish time, so it's all repressed and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um so I bought that they have this moment where, like, she just realizes, Kate realizes she just wants to have Merton. But what threw me was the next day when Kate goes to Millie and is basically saying, like, you know, she's, she doesn't really lie about it. She's like, we, you know, we, we can't be together. I'm leaving tomorrow. Merton's staying. Um, and she's like, and Millie's like, no, 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 don't go. And Kate's like, oh, no, don't pretend you don't want me to go. And that's where I try to figure out how... Um, how conniving is Kate? Does Kate know? Is she basically turning this on Millie so now Millie feels guilty for it? And Kate's going to go and, like, her plan's going to work. Like, I didn't know how, I guess, um, ill-thinking she was. If she was really trying to manipulate her. Or mm-hmm. if she was, like, just telling her flat out, he's in love with me, but if I leave, you guys can fall in love. I wasn't sure. And then we get another decision later, which I don't think I don't I don't think is spoiling the movie, where um, basically Kate continue manipulates things again to where Millie finds out that Kate was kind of and Merton were kind of using her for her money, mm-hmm. and it, that's another one of those spots where you're like, why would Kate like at this point the plan is almost done, and the main thing is did she do it to kill Millie, thinking that this grief would send her over to death? Or did she do it because she really didn't want this relationship to continue? I don't know. It is unclear because I think the characters' motivations are unclear to the characters. Which I was okay with, I guess. Hmm. Okay, so here's my thing. Mm-hmm. I basically thought, this, this, from the jump, I wasn't sure where this was going to go. Like, clearly this is about the interactions between these characters and the relationships between these characters. I really thought that it was going to be about Kate and Millie. Like, mm-hmm. like, and this is, and I feel like there were a few allusions to this towards the back end of the film where things are said like, like she loved us both. Like. Where 
Kate we're, says that. Okay. Yeah, like we're, I think it's, and, and, and that to me is interesting. If it truly was three people that all, like, mm-hmm. all really loved each other, that to me is interesting. But I don't ever feel I like that. I think that, that was go- the case, though. But, but she even, there's, there's this lines at the end when they're in bed after things have happened, you know, people are no longer with us, um, where, like, he says he doesn't love her, and then Kate's like, tell me you're not in love with the memory of her, and he can't. So he genuinely loved Millie, but he genuinely loves Kate, and then Kate really cared for both of them, because even in that scene where they took off in Venice and went and had sex up against a wall, Kate, uh, Millie just sat there and waited for both of them. It wasn't like she was waiting for one of them. So I genuinely think that she, if had they said, leave us your money, she would have left the oh, money to them. I would agree with that. And I think and, that's part of the kind of the sad irony is that I think live relationships were destroyed when they didn't have to be. And Kate was like, she wanted us to be together. She wanted us to be happy. And I really believed that. So I, I guess I was just really confused about all of... I mean, because I think, the, the like, Millie is a good person. Mm-hmm. And, uh, not, and the, I forget the actress's name, but, I mean, she's good in it. And it's, it's a role that could have, I think, gone into, like, really good person. And she's not. Like, she, she has her issues, but she is a good person. And I think, yeah, I agree. I think if... Kate had told her, yeah, I love Merton, but we can't be together. Millie would have been like, oh, don't worry. Here, take, here, here's a loan. Don't pay me back. I think it would have been fine. But, and part of it is also the time and everything else. I think that, you know, Kate couldn't ask that of her. Um, And, I mean, it's not that Merton was in love with Millie or loved her more than Kate or was attracted to her. I think it's that when, after this big thing has happened, Merton is kind of realizes the role he was playing and that he was kind of a pawn in this too, I think. Mm -hmm. And that at that point it's him realizing I really hurt this wonderful woman who's dead who spoiler alert. Okay. It's obvious. She's sick and stuff. And she's, yeah, she's dead. She dies. Um, We know it. Cause like she coughs up blood at some point and you know what that means in a movie. Uh, But so I think it is Merton feeling as if this experience has, changed him and made him become do kind of things that he doesn't think was right Mm -hmm. and so he's he realizes in hindsight that yes he does love kate kate's right there he will have sex with her it would be great but he can't say i you know i felt nothing for this woman who might have changed my life i don't know i i found it a really interesting i like that the morality was so gray because it's not like what kate and murder doing is that bad in a way Millie is dying everybody knows this she is going to die they're basically Kate's basically saying just make her happy she's in love with you just be in love to make her think you're in love with her while she dies here in Venice on vacation and I there's something positive about that if you know it's um I think you know think think of Angel the end not the movie Angel but the tv show I am thinking of the, the end of the TV show right You're now. Thinking of the end of the TV show with um, yeah. a certain couple that gets together towards the very end, and it's very mm-hmm. sweet, and you're very happy for them. Yes. And then one of the characters dies, and it's very sad. <gasps> and another character happens to look like the character that. Oh my god! Yes. And he's like, "Do you like? I can pretend to be this person that you loved." And the character <laughs> who's still alive is like, 
no, no, don't do that. Don't lie to me. But then when the other character is put in a really hard place, oh, uh, this other character is like, lie to me. Do it. I want to be in love again right now. I, oh, you know, was... take that story. <laughs> try not to cry because I know it's very emotional. Oh, my God. That was on when I was at the gym the other day. That was bad. Oh. I'm like trying to run and I'm like, oh, God, no. Wait, no, that episode lying. where her parents show up oh, and she God. has to. Or, like, the, the final, like, when Fred finally kicks the bucket. Yeah. That really one. It's really sad. That performance is really, like, um, amazing. I agree. I agree. She, Amy Acker fucking sells that she death. She is great, yeah. She I, really I, is. I hope uh, Much Ado about in, that will we'll continue to put her out in the spotlight. And her comic timing in Much Ado is amazing. Like, she's really genuinely funny. Oh, but sorry, we're, we're not talking about that. We're no, talking but about... That's the, I think that's the idea of it, of Kate is... is not being terrible and saying just pretend to be in love with this woman you're gonna make her happy and then she's gonna die and we're gonna benefit from that and there's kind of like you sit back and you're like yeah that's that's not really bad like everybody wins really if that's what happens um except there's the the main problem with this scenario is kate gets really jealous and does make some decisions that may actually harm millie and maybe even kill millie like Kate basically breaks her heart or she manipulates things so that Millie's heart gets broken. And I think that is a big part in Merton never being able to look at Kate the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I, I find those kinds of stories really interesting, especially when it's about people, when people in it are wearing really great hats. Yes. I, I mean, the, clo- the clothing was nice in both of these nice. films. The, I love the music too. Yeah, I, I didn't mind music. I actually, I kind of remember it a little bit, so that says I was paying attention to that. Yeah. Um, so you really didn't think there was something else going on between Kate and Millie? Or I the beginnings she, of something? I, honestly, I think there should have been. I think it would have been more interesting if there was this second layer of attraction going on. Maybe, maybe I read stuff into it, because I really feel like... Did you watch Angel first or this first? Well, I've, I had well, this time. Yeah, this time around. No, I watched this first because I feel like if I'd watched this after Angel, which is much more blatant about it's, you know. Well, yeah, because that—that's a fact in Angel. This yeah, I yeah. felt like was an allusion to something, and I kept. And then, but then all of a sudden, I felt like it was something that was completely in your mind. Yeah, because it never got revisited. See, honestly, I think. I, I kind of wish I'd either seen that or that it had been more prominent because I think that also would have made it really interesting mm-hmm. because you do kind of have, and it's reminding me of a movie that I can't think of right now, um, but kind of the story of people being in love with each, of, of a, a trio being in love with each other as opposed to a love triangle, mm-hmm. which I think is different. And I think that would have been really interesting um, and would have changed some dynamics a little bit I don't know. I didn't pick up on it, but maybe I, my, my, my gaydar just wasn't on as strongly as yours. Maybe, um, I mean, yeah, mine's usually on. I kind of wish there was more of that, because I think that would have made the dynamic even a little more interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've got Elizabeth McGovern with her big square face. Oh, God. I, and it's so funny, because it was like watching her in Downton. I was like, oh, you're kind of like the same character, huh? <laughs> Um, so I was cool with that, and then I can't believe you haven't you haven't addressed the the obvious here. The obvious. The um, no, my, uh, the hats are the obvious. Where do you usually go in conversation? Where do I usually go in conversation 
to everything for you can always be linked directly back to a certain television series. This is when everybody listens to an O reference. I already did yeah. I to yeah. O. This is where everybody listening starts screaming, <laughs> screaming "Law and Order." Is there? There's no Game of Thrones reference. Law and Order, man. Oh. But where? Oh, oh my god, I didn't write it down, but I totally caught it because the whole time I'm watching this movie, I'm like, I know that actor. He looks really yeah, really young. Really young. And I yeah. look him up and I'm going through things. I'm like, okay, maybe I saw that. Holy fuck, he's and he was a weird ADA. Because they he was a weird, on the show. He was a weird ADA. It was so weird because it was like after um Casey and um Alex were no longer on the show, but then they mm-hmm. both came back at the same time. It was like both actresses were like, hey, I want to be back on the show. And they were like, okay, we'll just rotate your episodes, which made no sense. And then they're gone with no explanation. And all of a sudden there's this blonde dude. And it's like, what? Why is there a dude? Yeah, he did come in out of nowhere, but I remember liking him a lot. Yeah, I wasn't happy with him because I I like, even right now on the show, they have Raul Esparza as the, uh, the ADA. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, I like my deep-voiced... Um, ridiculously attractive in a conservative way women as the um, lawyers <laughs> on the show. Um, yeah. Did you watch this week's episode about legitimate rape? Oh, God, no. And um, I probably never will. The, the Rihanna uh, Chris Brown episode was by far the best of the season. Oh, man. There's, there's even a point where they say, who are they, Rihanna and Chris Brown? Oh. <laughs> it was this. I, I haven't watched that show in multiple years. Oh, God. it's It will always be great in whatever great way. I know. I, I really thought you were going to lead this review I, with... I meant to. No, I got really distracted by the hats. Oh, and he's also um, Bruce Wayne's dad in Batman Begins. He Bruce Wayne's dad in Batman Begins. I mean, he's, he's so good. hot. I think, I think he was great in this movie. I, I can't say anything negative. I The performances were good. It was. I thought there were some interesting shots in it. Like, it was... When things the water, were f- the lights on the water like turn into the lights on the building or something. Yeah, there were some really nice like transition shots and some yeah. nice framing of things. Yep. And I, I liked Helen Bottom Carter. I thought she was really good in it. I thought the, you know, it like I said, it moved along swiftly enough. I was never bored with it. But something about it just I didn't connect with it at all. I can understand that. Yeah. Um I wonder I'm curious to read the book. I might eventually. Uh I'd, I'd heard somewhere, I think I'd read like in some review that apparently she's more unlikable in the book, mm. which is quite interesting. Um, which I might like a little bit more. Right, right. I could see that. Yeah, I mean, and in the movie, like, it is confusing. I don't know how malicious she was, how jealous she was, and how earnest she was. But I kind of like that I don't know if she knew either. Mm-hmm. And she well, I like, your, I like your reading of the film. I prefer what you said about it to actually watching it. Except what I said about it isn't going to really capture the hats. That's true. So watch it for the hats. Watch it for the, watch See, it even, for the hats. Even the cover of it. Even the cover of it. I'm looking it's at it right now. It's very right? I really, maybe I subconsciously was waiting for it. It, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm, there are times, I've watched other movies where I totally haven't picked up on vibes that other people have. Um, so maybe I just didn't pick it up, but I wanted it to be there and I didn't sense it, but mm. you did, so. Plarg. I don't know. Uh, so we gotta rate it. We do have to rate it. Would you like to go first? All right. Um, quality of film. It's a tricky one because I think. Oh, we didn't talk to the director Ian. So, by the way, another it, thing that ties our directors together. Their names. They're both kind of good-looking men too. At least, Are they? At least in their IMDb profile photos. 
Let me look. They're both handsome men in different ways. I don't know. Tell me if you agree. Um, well, I know Francois, what he looks like, and he's very handsome. He's very, he's very handsome, I agree. I mean, I uh, was just a good-looking man, I, I think. I have to look at... Oh, hello. <laughs> right? <laughs> hello, hello. Yes. Kind of like a, a James Bond minor villain type thing going yeah, on. Yeah, I like it. I like yeah, it. Right? Especially in that profile picture, there's like a an open shirt yeah, and like a, like like a gray, gray jacket. Yeah, okay. Hey. Yeah, right? Hi. I, I guess his name is Ian. I don't know. It's, it's spelled weird. Or, it's or Ian. <laughs> Whatever. Oh, there's an A in there. Okay. Ian. Um, I, um, <laughs> he has a weird filmography. Look at his filmography. I didn't, I didn't look at it. I gotta yeah, look. I guess Backbeat was kind Backbeat. of... But... Well, Backbeat uh, was the, the fifth Beatle one. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, which I think a lot of people liked. He, then he did Hackers. I liked Hackers. I never saw Hackers. Skeleton Key's Skeleton a terrible Key's movie. I don't know if it was... I don't know if it was directed well. I don't but. know either. K-Pax with uh, Kevin Spacey. So This is... it. Sir, you are interesting. He is. And it's weird because I think this is a very well-directed film. I yeah. think, I mean, it's gorgeous. Not just the hats, but I mean, the hats are a part of it. But I think this is a really beautifully shot film, a beautifully scored film, a beautifully put together film. Um, you know, my issues are, I guess, you know, similar to yours, but not as deep because they are just, uh, you know, the, the relationships are kind of rushed and I don't always know what somebody really wants. Um, mm-hmm. But I just, I like the moral complexity of it. Um, I am going to go as a rating, I'll go with a 7.5. This is, this is um, quality of film. Quality of film, yeah. Okay, 7.5. Mm-hmm. Where are you going? Quality of film, I will do a 7. Okay, now enjoyment of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually was surprised by how much I enjoyed watching this, because it's the kind of film that... I would sometimes probably want to go, you know, check Facebook or play um, a game of sorts with Mookie. Mm -hmm. But I really found this uh, watchable. So I would go 7.75 for me for Hmm. quality of life. I also, I never found myself reaching for my phone or I I, I watched it and I didn't get distracted. But still, my rating for quality quality of life would probably be like a 6. Okay. It was like a little bit above average. Yeah. Like I would never watch it again, but I can't say it, it just didn't, didn't connect with me I at all. I understand. It's okay. I mean, hats, but whatever. I'm glad I watched it because it, again, every time I watch Helen and Bottom Carter and something, I'm like, come back. Yeah, come back to acting. Yeah, come back Instead to of just doing your husband's movies. Yeah. That's husband. how I felt after I watched The King's Speech. She's so good in that. I was like, oh, yeah, remember this? Yeah, she is excellent <laughs> in that. Yeah, it's disappointing. Um, all right, so those are our scores. It's a, for me, it's a recommend. For you, I think it's a tentative. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I can understand. All right, so we are going to take a break. Uh, I will find some music, and we're going to come back. We're going to talk about Angel. 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 We'll be back.
we're back. Hello. Hi. Uh, so now we're going to talk about another movie that involves yep. something uh, metaphoric with wings. Mm-hmm. This one would be your pick. E. 2007. <laughs> I have been having trouble speaking lately. No, that's how you say it. I might be having an early stroke that's just taken a really long time to happen, to kick in. Because mm-hmm. I suddenly can't say words. This is a very easy word to say. Angel. Thank you. 2007. 2007. Directed by... I feel mm-hmm. like you've been practicing this. I want to hear I, I haven't. Um, I don't know how to say his last oh, name. A Facebook thread about it. Francois Ozone. Francois Ozone. I don't know. Um, I am so excited to talk about this. I literally have butterflies. Mm-hmm. Literally, like, seriously, like they are fluttering. Yes. Like, you, you, I'm you literally went to the collector and, and stole a few from his collection. Surrounded by monarch butterflies. Are they right in now? now in Austin? I know it's warm They're down there. Flying around my head as we speak. Uh, so you, now the use was your pick. Uh-huh. Uh, you have seen this movie before. Yep. Uh, what was your first, like, how did you find this movie? Was it just your Fassbender um, well, quest? I did this thing. At one point, I, I'd say 90% of his filmography was streaming. Mm-hmm. Yes, so I just, actually, I remember that period of time. And I just watched ba- basically everything. Mm. <laughs> and this was a movie that I was like, oh, 2007, Michael Fassbender. I'm in, let's do this. I did not, at the time, know who directed it. I didn't really know who else was in it. Mm-hmm. I, I put it on, and I would say for the first twenty minutes, I had no fucking clue what I was watching. Yeah, I oh totally. And I was like, yeah. "What is this? What is going on?" And I I kind of thought I hated it. Then I was like, "Wait a second! I think this is doing something on purpose." Mm-hmm. And after I realized that, I I screamed from the rooftops for months. Months. Literally? Who else has seen this? Yes, literally for months. I went hoarse from screaming, and no one else had seen it, and no one wanted to talk about it. And I just, well, all I wanted to do was fucking talk about this movie because I was so floored by it. You're a lonely woman, aren't you? I am. I think um, Christina had seen it, okay, and she liked it. But I guess I could never rile her up enough to like have a long conversation. <laughs> no, let's, really, let's sit down for two hours and talk about this movie. Yes. Um. So then I picked it. It was on my original. Um, oh, I know. This is the one list. that you, yeah, you had brought up before, and I knew you wanted to talk about it. So it, yeah, it was the right time. Um, let me sum up the plot quickly. Uh, Angel is a young woman, uh, probably like you know, in her late teens, about to finish high school or so. Uh, kind of lo- lower middle class. Her mother is a widow and owns a grocery store. Angel is one of those like really dreamer kids who just wants to be a writer. And wants to leave the suburbs behind and become a famous writer. Uh, And she does. She writes a story, a novel, and sends it to publishers. And Sam Neill is like, I will publish this. And um, Angel becomes a very popular, I would equate her to like Danielle Steele, Stephanie Myers. Yes. Popularity. Yes. Where she becomes incredibly commercially successful, makes a lot of money. Uh, is very nouveau rich, where she just clearly has terrible taste, but is just can spend money on anything, um, and is pumping out books, which most people it's it, you, it becomes obvious that they're not very good, but but they are selling like most you know popular literature happens. Um, he eventually meets uh, a woman, Nora, who is a you know kind of wannabe poet, but really just is kind of in love with Angel and everything she does and. 
just offers herself to be her personal secretary uh, and introduces Angel to her brother, uh, mm-hmm. Michael Fassbender. Esme! The role of Esme. Woo! Esme is a grumbly uh, artist who is a painter who paints stuff that people hate. Um, and Angel instantly smitten. Uh, they get married and stuff happens. Yes. I know you're really curious what I thought of this movie, aren't you? I, yes. I have no idea what I thought about this movie. <gasps> really? It, Do you have, it, did it, you it, take notes? Oh, I took a lot of notes. Okay. I, like, it, I can totally see what you meant by, you're watching this movie, and the first, like, 10, 15 minutes, you're just like, what, where is this going? Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, the most, one of the main things is character of Angel, played by... How do you say her name? Ramalia. We're going to call her Middle Briny from Atonement. Yeah, let's just, briny. come on, guys. Can we just stop with this Atonement bullshit already? So, Middle Briny uh, is, because the thing is, Angel is not, is also not an easily likable character. Mm-hmm. She's she's bratty. She, um, we're on her side for certain things. We're kind of like instantly on her side because she's very plucky and, you know, she, she's creative and clearly wants to be a writer. And it's, it's hard not to like that kind of person. But then like within, by the next scene, she's such a little brat that you're kind of like, oh God, I have to sit with her for a whole movie. And you do. And she doesn't really learn much. And she's also one of those women, and I'm sure you know women like this, that lies. Mm-hmm. That just kind of invents stories when things happen. She kind of tells a different version of it to mm-hmm. make herself look better generally. Um, so there's all of that going on. But eventually, it's not that she grows on. I don't know. It's so, this is a hard one to talk about. Um, basically, she is like unapologetically who she is, mm-hmm. which is kind of bratty, kind of spoiled, very selfish. But also a hard worker, and, you know, she likes cats and dogs, so that's a plus. Uh, and when she falls in, head over heels in love with Esme, we know, we can tell that this is not good news, that Esme is not good news. No, um, is not good Nora, news. who is this man's sister, tells her, Esme is not, not good news. Is not yeah. good news. Um, it is very obvious to anyone watching that, you know, she loves him more than he loves her, if he loves her. It's hard to say. Um, but at the same time, Angel is happy. And there's a lot in this movie that I found really interesting. And again, a lot of it is also like of the time period because we're, I guess, around World War, pre-World War One-ish mm-hmm. time period. Yeah. So again, it's just the fact that you have this female who is so aggressive about getting what she wants is something that you instantly admire. Um, and that... She, you know, she must know, you, you're watching it and you're like, she must know that this is a lopsided relationship. But in a way, it doesn't matter. She is happy being in love with this man, whether or not he's in love with her. Mm-hmm. Um, then there are things that come up. Like, she basically, at one point, asks uh, Nora, you know, do you think I've lived the wrong life? Which, because there are so many times when she could make a different decision that would obviously change the course of her life. We get to World War One, where, you know, the country is at war. It's devastating. People are dying. Everybody in the country is patriotic and is trying to help the war effort. 
Angel in her luxury mansion is like, I don't want to know about the war. Just, no, no, no. Don't talk. If you talk about it in here, I, I'm kicking you out of my house. So again, she becomes, or she's really unlikable at this point. But at the same time, it's what you expect of her. You know her. She's, she is never inconsistent as a character. Um, so it's, so that's a couple of my thoughts so far. Mm -hmm. Um, would you like to jump in at any point? Um, I don't, I don't know where to jump in. Um, I have, oh God. Okay. So Angel in general, or let me start, begin at the beginning. My initial feelings about this is because this was made to be like a, like a, a a melodrama. Yes. That is, the tone of it is very jarring. It is because you have um, at like early scenes, like for example, like she's like riding in a carriage with Sam Neill and the yes. filming style is so blatantly artificial. Mm-hmm. You've got clearly like the moving, the carriage isn't moving, but the scenery is a matte painting behind being moved. Yes. And you have, and the music is the really swelling, yeah. swelling music. Now I've never really seen any Douglas Sirk films, mm-hmm. um, but I know like that's one of the reference points for this movie. Um, so it's a little lost on me because I haven't really seen that era of like epic, you know, big, pretty colors and stuff. Um, but it's, so it is jarring. You give into it a bit. I mean, I gave into it. Yeah. I, I, at first I was like, okay, what's going on? And then once you get it, it's like, okay, this is deliberate. This isn't poor filmmaking. This is a choice. Um, now the character of Angel, I, I, I adore, I think she is amazing and I think she is amazing because she is she is human. Yeah, she is and entirely real. So. And I think that even when she is at her most ridiculous, all the characters around her keep it grounded. Right. And like, there's also that sense of celebrity, which yeah. you know when you when you read about um, you know these Kim Kardashians and these Paris Hiltons, when you read about like the lifestyles they must lead. You just kind of think that's insane, but you're like, oh, but it's because they're surrounded by enablers who are, who mm-hmm. are brushing their teeth for them and who are signing their autographs for them. So it, this is like a very early version of that where you have Nora who, you know, is there to help her, but is also so kind of blinded by devotion to this woman whom she is in love with that, you know, she also can't make the right decisions for her. It's, yeah, it's it's yeah. I mean, she's a fascinating character, mm-hmm. and Middle Briny is great. Yes, she, I mean, she, she's amazing in this. Movie. She definitely, um, like you kind of said about, she's always her. Like you, you always believe it because that's always the way the character would react. Right. Like it's it's always very true, mm-hmm. and, and that's why I found her so incredibly likable because I and. And I did, and this Charlotte Rampling's mm-hmm. character is, oh, yeah. is Sam Neill's wife, and she immediately, like, she kind of is like us. Yeah, she's she like the, the viewer. Surrogate completely. She does not like her, mm-hmm. and because she is rude and she is drinking wine like a maniac yeah. at their house, <laughs> and she seems completely undeserving of this amazing opportunity to just get her book published without having to change a word of it. Right, and you can tell that she does Charlotte Rampling does not like her at all. But then when shit starts to go down and her popularity is waning and things are going wrong in her personal life, she feels bad for her much like we do. Like, Oh, well we don't want to see 
maybe she was undeserving of this, but we don't want to see anything bad happen to right. her. And she also, you know, and Sam Neill even says, like, I didn't think you liked her work or her. And she's like, I, I don't I don't think she's a good writer. And I, you know, I still don't really like her, but I've I've come to admire her. Yeah. And, you know, it's the same way. It's, you know, it's a little on the nose, um, but it, you know, does kind of sum up where you are with this character, which is, mm-hmm. yeah, this is a woman who has the chance to help a lot of people in World War One and chooses not to because she's sad about something. But, you know, she's Angel. Like, that's, what, that's who she is. Mm-hmm. She's got a giant Irish wolfhound. Yeah, she does. Uh, I love that dog. And, and the great, there's a great joke involving the dog too. Um, yeah, and, and there's some really like funny moments in this. There's a lot of funny moments in this. Yeah, it's it. I mean, it's a melodrama, but it and I you can't really call it a comedy, but because it's it is so light in tone. And I guess apparently this is based on a novel that was kind of loosely based on a real uh, female novelist of the time, who was like a contemporary of Oscar Wilde. And it's, again, it's an interesting era that we don't really know, like, we don't really see much of generally shown. Uh, But another thing with that, that, you know, not really a spoiler, but we we find out at the end of the movie, Angel's books, you know, they're losing popularity. But towards the end, like, she's almost obscure. At this point, nobody's Mm -hmm. reading her anymore. And you get the feeling that 100 years later, nobody's going to pick up her books. Whereas Esme, who mm-hmm. as a painter was very unsuccessful because he was painting things in grays and dark tones, could, could not sell a painting during his lifetime, down the line, now a house might be turned into a museum to him because now his artwork is kind of the, uh, the style. And I think the movie then asks a really interesting question about like the life of an artist or the life of a kind of commercial artist. Because you have Esme who lived a really, not Esme, um, Angel, who lived a really happy life for herself um, and was very commercially successful, but whose work ultimately is empty and means nothing and is not going to be read or remembered. Um, like, she ultimately leaves no legacy. Mm-hmm. You have Esme, who was a miserable artist, who, um, you know, nobody liked his work when he was alive, couldn't sell a painting, and nobody understood it. And then, and lived it as a result was, you know, a gambler and drinking and everything else. And then in, in death and sometime later, his stuff is considered revolutionary and before his time and everything else. And so it kind of gives you that, the kind of weight of happy life as a, you know, fake artist or, you know, unhappy life as like a genuine artist who leaves a legacy. And that's, that's an interesting question it's a question that's asked but isn't really given much to because we don't really see much of her writing throughout the film her writing is a very is oddly enough kind of a small part of Mm -hmm. the story and i would have liked more of that just because i think that's what i found really interesting like once you actually see her like hear her words and you're like oh man she's a shitty writer that kind of opens things up differently i think um, but, you know, the movie kind of has other interests at heart, I guess. Mm-hmm. It, that that whole thing with um, with her writing not being very good but being commercially successful is a, quite an interesting, you know, commentary on, you know, what we ingest as a, right. as a culture. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, and I think that's really interesting. Like, it really does question what what is important to make you 
become this notable, this popular, this best-selling author. It doesn't ha- necessarily have anything to do with quality. Right. Um, so it does. It asks some interesting questions. And- yeah, and, and, and how... Because at one point, she kind of stops writing, and then she needs money, and she's like, oh, I'll, I'll just write. Yeah, and I'll just so- write something happy. I'll give them what they want. Yeah, and it's so easy for her, which is kind of what you imagine, like, if you've ever read, um, like, fluffy pop fiction... Um, and I'm trying to think, because I haven't, I mean, I haven't read Twilight or any of those, but, like, I was a huge V.C. Andrews fan back in the day, mm-hmm. and went through, like, the, her first, and then it was a ghostwriter. Like, every one of those books was ultimately the same story. Like, every series, you just have to substitute, girl is a dancer with girl plays the violin, <laughs> and girl falls in love with her half-brother to girl falls in love with her half-cousin. Like, they, they are kind of all, the girl is raped by her uncle versus girl is raped by her uncle's neighbor. Like, like these are what the books are. And you imagine, like, it's really easy for a ghostwriter to just hammer those, that shit out. Um... And, you know, in but in 100 years, it's not going to be considered great literature by any means. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, during her lifetime, V.C. Andrews lived happy and made money and lived in a big house and all that stuff. So it's it's an interesting question about art, I guess. It is an qu- inter- interesting question about art, but I do think that that question kind of has an answer. You don't have a choice. Mm. Like, Angel yeah. couldn't Angel couldn't have been that that artist that stood the test of time if she wanted to. It just was not her her strength. Her strength was, quote-unquote, giving people what they want. And that's that's not necessarily an easy no, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and not everybody can do that, which is... And Esme easy. couldn't have painted commercial. He yeah. couldn't have... Because he tried to give her, you know, Angel what she wanted, and he couldn't... I mean, his flowers were gray and brown. Right. And that little spot over there was violet. Like, that's just how Esme painted so, yeah, I think but it is, it, it's definitely interesting. I definitely was struck by that the first time was just like, like, oh my gosh, she's not very good. And this comes way too easy for her. It is, it's her passion, but she's not necessarily working for anything. Yeah. It's almost a movie about like how, like what the art industry is and how it's perceived versus, um, I don't know. I, ver- it's not, a, it, it is a movie about artists. Um, but it's mo- it's also about, yeah, that side of it, that commercial versus, mm-hmm. you know, quality side to it, I guess. Yeah, and it it is, like, because, and I mean, I'm, I'm really glad I watched it, and I'm glad you picked it, because it is the kind of movie that, when I was watching it, there were times when I was annoyed, there were times when I was like, ugh, okay, I'm getting kind of tired of it. Other times where I was really enjoying it and found it funny and, you know, wanted more cats and dogs and hats, because there's some good hats in this, too. There are some good there's hats in this. Hats. Uh, I wanted Michael Fassbender's on a camel. Hey, <gasps> that part is so funny because it's so random. It's just, he's just there on a camel. Oh my gosh. Um, and so it was, it was a weird experience. The one thing that I really, I think did stick out for me as being something that didn't quite click was Sam Neill's character. Mm-hmm. Um, because I mean, you do need that. You need the character of the guy kind of gives her a break. And again, Charlotte Rampling is there for a very specific reason, which is to kind of mirror how we feel about things. Um, but Sam Neill, like there's this very minor um, underlying thing where Sam Neill like might be attracted to her, might be in love with Angel. And it like kind of comes out here and there, but it, I don't know what it did for the story. I think that that is the reason why he published the book without her changing anything. I don't know. 
it's possible or it's possible just that he did have that right instinct of this is going to sell even if it's not written very well. I don't know. You think he was in love with her from the start or attracted I, to her from the start? I think, yeah. And the only reason I say that is because when she first comes into the office, he is surprised at right. how she looks. So, like, oh, we thought you were going to be a man or old. So or it's obviously something that was of, of note enough for him to mention. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the only reason why I say that. I think she was able to get away with what she got away with because of his fondness for her. Sure. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, it, it just, um, I feel like she was very manipulative, but I don't feel like she was intentionally manipulative all the time. I think I she think, ended. I, I, I think she knew ended. what she was doing sometimes. Like, there were points with Nora where I think she knew. Oh, I feel like she understood immediately that Nora is in love with her. Nora worships her. And Nora will do whatever she wants her to do, and she knew how to get that from her. And again, not necessarily in a malicious way. Mm-hmm. Because, I, I mean... Well, sometimes I think in a malicious sometimes, way. Sometimes. But there's but also, I, like, you know, when, when Angel asked the question, like, have I lived the wrong life? You could ask... You want to ask that for Nora, because what has Nora's life been? Has been mm-hmm. being an assistant to this, to you know, this unrequited love, essentially. Yeah, like, that's an interesting... And, I mean, the movie could have basically been done as seen through Nora's eyes. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it could have been Nora's story. And it's not. It is Angel's story. Um, but it's... Yeah, Nora's an interesting character. I don't know that I fully get her cycle, I guess, in a way. Mm-hmm. Again, like, there's something missing, in a way, for me about her thread... Because, yeah, like, we know, like, the whole movie, like, it's clear to us that she is in love with Angel, but it's never really, act, not, I mean, not acted upon. It doesn't have any consequences that we see, I guess. hmm Like, there's no confrontation, which makes sense in a way, because it, there was never any need for there to be confrontation. But, yeah, at the same time, like, I'm left, like, with this dangling thread of a character that doesn't get the resolution that, you know, the other two major characters do, I guess. hmm That's true. Um, my huh. favorite part that I do have to mention is, again, I watched this one also uh, while traveling, so I had the subtitles on. And the, so at during, you know, when the movie gets dark, let's just say, mm-hmm. uh, the subtitle read, you know, has a little music note, as in music. And it said, music becomes sinister. And then, as the music kept going, it said, music darkens further. <laughs> I found really funny. And they had to let you know that it got real. It got even it realer than it was. real right now. Yep. That's right. Um, yeah, I guess, yeah, that, I think that's most of my, oh, 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 and, um, I mean, not just cats in this movie, but there is a cat who, the kitten, the kitten, oh, the kitten. we might have to, uh, oh, I'm sorry, I just got distracted, because Starship Troopers had the, um, it's the sex scene with Casper Van Dien and, um, Dina Meyer, yes, and it's on BBC TV, so they have to edit the boobs, but, like, they've done it really carefully, like, because you can cut it well enough. But then, like, the scene where Michael Ironside comes in on them, they did, for some reason, they did it in slow motion, which I don't think the movie does. <laughs> anyway, distracted. No, okay, the kitten? Yes. Kind of a, that could have been a very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Malevolent kitten? Why? 
Well, th- what happens after... The kitten didn't do anything. Oh, didn't it, though, Christine? <laughs> no. Think of what transpires oh, after that adorable little silky kitten makes his appearance. Yeah, silky boy. What the fuck is that? Silky boy. And what was the dog's name again? Sultan. So, Sultan? You're not Sultan. Um, no, but I'm just saying. Kitten appears. It's all cute. Right. We all say, oh, and oh. then shit happens. It's true. Just saying. I am just saying. Um, but yeah, I guess that's most of what I have. Charlotte Rampling <laughs> is sexy. I love her. She is just a sexy dame, I tell you. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that's all my notes. Great I love. I love this movie so much. I... <laughs> I mean, it was one of the weirdest experience, film experiences I've had in a while, I think. And I, I want other people to watch it because I want to know if they were as kind of um, uh, personally, not confused, but sort of torn the way I was. Because it's a movie that really does challenge you as a viewer. Welcome to my world. Yeah, I don't you, know why. You are handed this, this obnoxious character who makes terrible decisions. Um... It, within, within this reality that's very both beautiful and garish mm-hmm. and very um, blatantly artificial and scenes of like great emotion are then immediately cut to scenes where a character who has just given great emotion is just lying about stuff and and yet it's it's asking all these really interesting questions and by the end you're you're left you know with so many Things to think about, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, talking about this movie, because I mean, by the time I finish this movie, I'm like, it's. I know, like, I don't know where I'm gonna grade it still, but I know I'm like, it's a positive viewing experience, and I recommend it to people. But did I like it? It's a weird. It's it's hard to. I, I know now I did, and I liked it more as we talked about it. Definitely, mm-hmm. um, it's it's just such an unusual film. It is, and I was I couldn't stop thinking about it after yeah. I watched it. It's, I, it. You don't expect it to be so unusual, hmm. like for right for when it opens, like you. It seems like you're getting the story of this plucky young writer who's going to make it big, but it's so about so many different things, mm-hmm. and it's told in such a different way. Um, I have not seen this direct any of this director's other films. I saw um, Swimming Pool, Swimming Pool which yeah. Yeah, I guess is his most well known. Yeah, it's really good. I, I will watch it. I've meant to. He's got a movie. Okay, on Instant Watch. And this is weird because I don't know how I found this movie. But I had cl- I was, like, clicking on other movies to add to my queue. And I saw this cover. Go- Are you have Netflix open? Um, I can have Netflix open. Because I want you to type in and search for a movie called Ricky. R-I-C-K-Y. Okay, keep talking while I go. Okay. Because this movie, like, showed up as I was scrolling through things, and I saw the cover, and I was like, what the fuck is that? Like, it's really creepy. <laughs> oh, I hope and I do that, too. I instantly added it to my queue. And then as soon as I did, I was, like, directed by Francois Alzo. I'm like, oh, yeah. what? Do you see what I mean? I know. I'm I, I, still not there, but he has okay. a quite a varied filmography. Can I read the synopsis for, the, for Ricky? Yeah, go for okay. it. My, my computer's, like, okay. slow as molasses in January. All right, well... I will, if, if you don't get to get to the image, I will describe it. But first, let me read the synopsis. Katie and Paco are astonished when their seemingly normal newborn son, Ricky, develops a functional pair of wings and begins to talk <gasps> about the house. In oh, my fantastical God. family drama from French director Francois Ozon. I want to marry the synopsis. Amazing skills, they also begin to appreciate the magic that goes into creating and sustaining a content family. 
And the poster, it's just a close-up of a baby. Oh, wait, wait. I'm almost there. I'm almost there. It's, I'm almost there. I'm almost there. And it's weird. Don't. They credit, there's only one one name playing the baby. Mm-hmm. And usually a movie with a baby, it's always going to be twins. Like, uh, like so this multiple. baby's got to be, like, seriously have good endurance. Oh, right. That, that baby? Like a big baby face? The big baby face. Yeah, he's I, thought, I, I said this movie and I'm like, oh, it must be about a talking baby. <laughs> no, it's about a flying baby with wings, apparently. Oh, which I'm we into it. We should have covered that movie. The wings I'm, of the baby. I'm into this. All right. <laughs> I don't know. I'm intrigued and kind of creeped out by the premise. I think it's awesome. I, I watch that. Add to instant queue. Oh, it's added on mine. I hope we can get it. it next time. Oh, man. Um... I will say, I hope nothing starts making noise. Let me close this. I will say that this is top, oh, top five. Oh, it's so hard to say. Top five Fassbender performances. <laughs> At first, I thought you meant all time films. I'm like, wow, really? No, see, and my like, started saying it. I'm like, she's going to say Fassbender films. It's <laughs> how I agonize over this. Um, he, his role is not very pronounced in this. He's not in it that much. But, but he, when he's, he's really good in it, though. When he is. He it, the performance is so so strong that it really because for for so much of it he's the driving force like once he meet she meets him, um he's the driving force for what she then does like, um so and it's and there's the scene um, it's the scene um that w- with her and where she's in the red red dress that's on the cover um when it's like her book reveal party and it's before they're married and um there's some interaction and Sam Neil says something and. My favorite thing that that just actors do in general is when, it, no matter what's going on, they're just fucking acting. Like, yeah. they're not the center of attention, but they're off in the corner and they're acting their ass off. <laughs> and Fassbender does that so well. And he, like, makes a face and there's this fucking laugh at something Sam Neill says. And it's just like, that's so amazing because that's how that character would react. Right, he right, was right. like, guffaw and scoff at all this right, ridiculous right. bullshit. And it just works so well. I just... Yeah, I like. Th- I love this movie so much. I just, I think it's so good. Fa- Fassbender is great in it because the thing is, like, we have to see why she's in love with this man because mm-hmm. we know he is not good for her. But we also have to believe that she is sm- um, so smitten that she is going to put down some of her wall. She doesn't really have walls, but that she is going to like look past all this stuff, and we do because. Even though we know we're like he's you know he's a gambler he's this he's that he's also Michael Fassbender. In that scene where she goes to his studio apartment, yeah. and he sees his paintings is so good. It's it, she she's amazing in it. Yeah, and like just her facial expressions when she's being shown these pictures, these she's paintings, trying she, to figure out how to react to them because she, she wants to impress him. He, he does not want to be, like, he, he wants her to like them, even though he's still kind of cool to cool guy artist. Exactly. So it's like he shows her one, and she, and she just kind of is like, uh. He shows her another one, and it's colorful, and she's like, oh! And he's like, no, I don't like that one either. She's like, right, no, no. It's too not. colorful, too colorful. <laughs> and, and the way he reacts to what she, he thinks is her genuine praise, and the, he yeah. really thinks that she understands his art. Yes. It's so endearing. Like, like, and, yeah, he's and an that's asshole. important, too, because you, like, 
It's not that he doesn't love her. It's just that you know he does not have the same love that she has for him. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to respect, and it's kind of what's interesting too is neither one of them really respects each other's work. Oh no, yeah. But she wants to say he's a great artist, but you know, when she looks at his painting, she's like, oh God, the brown again. And I mean, he makes no bones about you write trash, and which she doesn't deny. So it is like as a kind of portrait of artists who are married, it does just make you wonder. You're like, ooh, like, what is it? Um, Nicole Krauss and Jonathan Safran Meyer, like when they read each other's stuff, like do they like do they like it? Do they not like it? <laughs> it's, yeah, it's it's definitely that scene is definitely a nice little snapshot of because it's just funny and yep. the characters at that point nobody's particularly damaged or like ruined and it's just a nice little yeah, yeah. i'm a big fan mm-hmm. and i'm glad you did not did not hate this no 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 i i liked it i did like it it's i it's hard because it was like it wasn't an immediate yeah this movie's awesome it was a there's so many things, questions this movie is raising, and I don't know. But then it kind of all fell into, I really like that it made me think of so many different questions I had for this movie and these characters in this time period. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's, it's definitely, I mean, it is a feat of filmmaking. And again, the performances are great. Um, Middle Briny is fantastic in this movie. So amazing. She's so good in it. Um, so I guess we have to rate it. Yeah. Do you want me to go first? Uh, yeah, I went first last time. Okay. Um, quality of film, I'm going to give this an 8.5. Yeah. Um, quality of film, I'm going to go... Oh, God, it's so hard. Because <laughs> it's such an unusual movie. It's like I don't even have something to compare it to in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do... Okay. I'm going to go eight. Is that, is that a question? It's kind of a question. I'm bad at ratings. I My ratings mean nothing. Eight? No, eight. I think eight's good if you like eight. Sure, let's go eight. Why not? All right. Good number. Quality, my quality of life, because I cannot commit to going where I want to go, is going to be 9.25. Because <laughs> I really want to go 9.5, but I can't do it. I gotcha. Um, I think quality of life for me, it's weird because it's like before this discussion, it probably would have been like 7.5. After this discussion, it's like an 8.75. So we'll split the difference and say 8.13. 8.1. 8 and 1.8. I'm glad that you liked it and I'm glad that you weren't put off by the tone and I'm glad that you weren't put off by Angel. Yeah, and I think, I mean, for our listeners who hopefully decide, you do decide to watch us, it's on Instant Watch, stick with it. Because I do feel like, you know, the first, like, 15 minutes or so might turn you off. But just stay with it. Because it, I think it, it's not until the end where I think I realized it was asking these interesting questions about art. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's easy to kind of feel like just, like, you're watching this kind of annoying soap opera about this spoiled rich woman. But it, it is asking these questions. And it, it, to do so, it has, it has to get you through the movie in order to kind of frame them in the way it does. Um, and I just keep coming back to that line, which is, you know, do you think, did I live the wrong life? And then the, the point you made, which is just, they don't have, these are the type of artists they are and they don't have a choice. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, it is a hearty recommend for me. Yay, me too. I love it so much. Watch it, please. 
All right. So now, um, why don't we do our Netflix instant picks before we announce what's happening? Okay. So, um, go ahead. Okay. Um, I went very simply. Um, it is. It's Easter this weekend. Uh, I am not. I don't care. I don't really. Yeah, me my, my mom gets me Cadbury eggs, so that's always exciting. Yeah. Until I eat them, and then remember, I don't really like them anymore. They're too sweet. And it's milk chocolate, not dark chocolate. But you never. Know. Um, but you know, I'm skimming around Netflix trying to figure out what to pick, and then I realize one of my um, favorite musicals is totally an Easter movie, uh, and that movie would be Jesus Christ Superstar. Oh, nice. That's on instant. It's See, it's too much. See, have you ever watched it? No, I, I mean I've seen it live. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Which I guess is weird that I've seen it live, but I haven't seen I, it. I saw it live in Russian. It was Ooh. really cool that way. Um, the thing about this movie is, even if now, like I said, I am not Christian. I'm, I don't, you know, the, I'm not watching it for the Jesus factor. It, but it is a really good musical. And it is filmed in a really interesting different way where, you know, they're filming. It's very hippies because it's the 70s. And they're just filming like on location you just got these hippies running around in kind of costume, kind of 70s bell bottoms, and they're just singing. And they're, the singing's amazing. I think the music is great. Um, and if you haven't watched it, it really is worth a gander, I think. So uh, cue it up. Yeah, cool. Good recommend, man. Thank you. I didn't, because I really genuinely had no idea that was there, and that's something yeah. I would watch. Um, I own it, and I have, you know, I've watched it with commentary and everything else, but um, it's, it is totally worth your cueing up. Awesome. That's, see, that's the point of these Netflix re recommends. Like, hey, I didn't even know that was on there. Exactly. Yes. Um, my Netflix recommend is a movie I... I don't know if you had heard about it or know about it, um, but it's a movie that often gets talked about when people are talking about time travel films. Okay. Um, and the director's follow-up, I guess, to the writer-director's follow-up to it was at South by Southwest, and I, and I did not see it. Um, that film at South by was called Upstream Colors, and apparently it was amazing, and I am an asshole for not seeing it, but There's whatever. Movies. Settle down. Um, Who's that next the, to Matthew McConaughey? The film that I did stream, though, is a film called Primer. I don't know if you're familiar with Primer. I have had Primer. Primer on my instant queue forever, and I have heard it spoken of. So, yes. After a whole week of everybody screaming about how good this this film is, Upstream Colors, um, I was like, I'm just going to go home and fucking watch Primer because I know it's on instant. And I watched it in... Wow. How high concept can you get without, one, being completely confusing, and two, with no budget? Holy crap. Because that's what I had heard. I remember a lot of people talking about this, but I also remember people being like, but I don't know what the fuck happened in it. And I was always like, I don't know if I can watch a smart movie. But... Just, this is the thing that I had to come to terms with. There's n almost no way that you're going to completely know what's going on the first time. So just go with it and then and then revisit it at some point. Is it a movie that I have to watch in a single sitting or can I watch it half? I think that would help. Okay. But, I mean, there is, a, there, obviously it's a time travel movie. So if you watch the portion before it gets heavy time travel, then you probably be good if you if you split it like that. Okay, I see. Because once once it starts time traveling, it is a little bit difficult to follow who's where, when, and what's going on, and why. Okay, good to know. But, but I liked it a super lot, and I'm really excited to see the other film that I missed the opportunity to see. Okay. Um, <laughs> the, this director is South African. Shane Carruth. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Hold on. I don't know how to say people's names, guys. Um, <laughs> no, um, Myrtle Beach. 
South Carolina. What? Oh, that's where he's from. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I thought that was his name. His name's Myrtle Beach. Oh. Now, his name's Shane. I'll stick with Shane. Okay. For some, I, I think I get him confused with something else, but anyway. Um, okay, well, good to know. Primer yeah. and Jesus Christ Superstar, those are epic. <laughs> now, everybody. <laughs> now, guys. Okay, so when next we meet. Um, now, Christine is coming to New York soon. Yes. And what she doesn't know is that she's not actually leaving New York. But that's <laughs> now I do. Uh, I'll edit that so that you don't. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so when Christine comes, we're like, we want to record together. Uh, having no idea how we want to do that. And now also be warned, the audio, I don't know how to handle the audio for like just us sitting at a computer recording. So we'll find out. But um, we kind of came to the idea, hey, let's do a movie that we've seen. Let's kind of do like a pseudo commentary. Well, we'll just have the movie on. And me and Christine will just sit here chatting. And mm-hmm. we probably have something to say about the movie. But maybe occasionally we'll get, you know, delayed on tangents. And so then the movie will keep going. And, you know, you can think about the movie or you can just listen to us. Uh, so we were debating what movie to do. Um, should we tell them the movie we do? Or are you still thinking about it? Do you like that idea? Yeah, that's a good idea. I like okay, idea. so um, you know what inspired this, actually? Tell me what inspired it. Two things. One was you at first said step ups, but then we were like, oh, I'm like, because I already, me and Eric. She's already, already, she's already done the step ups, so she, I can't do them with her. Um, That's long and short of it is that. So I was like in a dance mode. And then I was thinking of um, that same day I had seen, um, I think uh, Dustin posted on our uh, Facebook group, the really cute spider. Did you look at that? Mm -hmm. I did look at that. Oh my God. It's everybody go to our Facebook group and look at the post with the peacock spider. It's a video and it's a little spider and he's tiny. And he's got these little tiny cute Tyrannosaurus arms that he like moves back and forth like he's Wally. And when he dance, like the, it's the whole thing is like his mating dance. And when he dances, his tail goes up and it looks like a giant feather thing. And he just kind of moves <laughs> back and forth. Uh, kind of like a Vegas showgirl. Oh God, is that really what made you think of that? <laughs> that's what got showgirls on my mind. All because right. I was thinking about that spider all day yesterday and I kept thinking about showgirls. Like it, he looked like a showgirl. Um, so then, like, I was like, hey, Christine, what about Showgirls? And that is what we're going to watch. Yeah, so we're going to have Showgirls on in the background. We'll I, wish we could, I wish we could watch it with drawn-on brassieres, like oh, they used no. to show it on VH1. I still want them to release a special edition where they include the drawn-on brassiere version. They never will. Because it's so great that way. I know. Oh, um, it makes even less sense. I know. And the cursing, when it's dubbed over, is even better. Because they just tried to fill it in with the most random words that kind of worked with what their mouths moved to. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't work. Nope. That's great. Um, so that's what we're going to be talking about next time. Yay. In person. In real. Person. Yeah. Um, hopefully Christine won't die from my cat hair. Oh. Uh, if not yours, my mother's ten cats. Yeah, make sure you pack an extra supply of that medication. I am getting lots of allergy pills. Worry not. All right, folks. So if you want to reach us, yeah, uh, best place would be to come reach everybody at our Facebook group. Yeah, That's come to Facebook. Happens. We all party there and talk about cute spiders. Uh, you can also tweet us. Uh, feminine podcast. Indeed. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And if by some chance you have to email us, you can get in touch with us at 
the feminine, the feminine critique. critique at yahoo.com that would be it but we don't you i mean i just checked it now because i remembered that it was there so. <laughs> you checked it and saw a message that was like somebody tried to access your account that was me trying to access it from my work computer i um, figured it was something like that yeah so for the most part we're easier to reach via facebook is really the easiest way yeah. Um, and if like you want to send us a private message, just become our friends and send us a private message. Yeah, you um, can add me as a friend, guys. It's yeah, cool. It's, I mean, I I like having friends. It's, you know, it's, good. it's cool. It gives me more things to fill my time with to read status updates. Uh, yeah, so uh, that's all we got. Yes. Um, we'll see you next time. All right, now go fly away, young doves. Angel doves. Fly away, <laughs> angel doves. Fly away to that fabulous hat store in the sky. Garden flowers.